The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 212 After Party Edition. We've been drinking, and you've been warned. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. is up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom analyst and writer from mixedmartialanalyst.com and that's right as you heard you've been warned it is an after party edition uh we're gonna be recapping 211 and that's right with with the usual suspect not suspects the usual suspect. suspect my best friend brian at br14n is here with me to help break it down we just watched it yeah it was a fucking great night well at least for my pocket yeah, as you hear from the tone of our voice, a little, we, we may have had most of our stakes in the main event, Ooh. which we'll get to. <laughs> but like Brian did, and Brian did like most of his pull in there, but we will get to that. Um, we're going to address, of course, from bottom to top, all the picks and plays. Account for all of them, technically, pick-wise, betting. We're going we're gonna to do all that as per normal from bottom to top. Uh, the breakdowns, of course, you can find at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, host of this here podcast. Uh, you know, click the click-throughs, positive reviews on iTunes. All that stuff's really helpful. Again, this is free content for you and profitable content on most nights. Definitely most nights and definitely tonight. Uh, we did off the top. It was official picks. We went 10-2 in picks. Um, two and one in parlay pieces, which we'll get to. One of those was, was a really close kind of hotly argued decision. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk to that. Um, which is fine. That's still good. It's still positive because, again, as you see, I, I actually updated the uh, the betting reference um, uh, just due to you know hardcores that I talked to, feedback, which thank you for, uh, even some of which uh, I don't want to divulge or peel back the curtain too much, but someone you might know, Brian, actually was provided some very useful feedback and helped encourage that change, and he's a listener of the podcast there. Oh, uh, oh yeah, my boy Dadam. There we go. All right, there we go. Dadam, he doesn't and, tweet or anything. He yep. might be listening to and, this one. And even though I, I thought it was pretty clear, like recommended plays and part of, but you know what? I I can I can improve this. So there's a little bit of uh, improvement on the literature, especially if you're new to my content and stuff. Um, again, like my breakdowns are in depth. I put a lot of work into them. I'm proud of them, and for the most part, they're accurate. But again, it is free content, so not just saying that as a cop out to go easy on me. But let's be honest, this is a fair trade here. And uh, I reiterate that on the betting section now where I put, this is, uh, you know, like my breakdowns just for your reference. And it's a guideline for, like, the confidence of picks, like picks to avoid, which we'll get to here in a second, um, was usually my most accurate part. And it, that was accurate, too, as well as this card, the picks to avoid, because oh, yeah. they came early. And uh, I know you're, you're kind of on and off again as far as the, the uh, prelim. I caught the majority of them, yeah. I, oh, I missed the last two rounds of the uh, uh, last prelim. Morice. Uh, if right. I'm not butchering his last name. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's just jump right into it. Let's not waste any time. And to kick it off, let's make it official. We have nice... We actually kind of be glad... Put port, our beer and glasses and be classy. This well, is we a... we have a pint. That's why. One sec. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is a... What's that? Oh, Modern Times. Modern that's right. Times. The Modern that's Times. pretty good. A really good San Diego brewery. All right, Brian. Cheers, brother. Cheers, man. And on that note...
we jump into the prelim card and hopefully get to the main card before these beers kick into the other beers we've had. Alright, first fight on the card. Uh, this one is uh, Devison Figueredo. Um, there's an Alcantara in there, but we're, we'll leave that out because there's an Alcantara in this card. So we'll just make that easy versus um, Marco Beltran. Did you see this one? I missed it. I actually know that I'm looking back at it. I missed the first two of this. I know the result of the next one. But... Yeah, you saw the end of the next one, which we'll get to. But uh, this one I had uh, Figue Figueredo, who's a debutante, but was favored by the odds makers, and correctly so. He had a little bit of risky defense, which could be trouble against Marco Beltran, who is wild and sloppy, but he hits hard. But the real caveat here was uh, Marco Beltran was coming down from uh, Bantamweight for the first time to fight at Flyweight, which was weird, and I don't really like it. Uh, he got rocked a couple times. Figueredo was just on him, relentless, but Beltran just fighting his heart out. you got to feel bad. He lost his mother about five days ago and decided oh. to still fight. So, I mean, I didn't play the fight, but even if I put money on Figueredo, oh, I would still be so rooting for Beltran just, guy, just because man. of that. Yeah, absolutely. Just because of that. Yeah, so, imagine that. Um, Jesus. Yeah, so props to, you know, not props, but I mean like uh, thoughts yeah, and respect. prayers and all that. Respect, yes, to him. Um, but Figueredo uh, did show improvements in his defense, was actually keeping his hands up, um, showing the ground and pound and positional awareness he did in the regional scene. Will be interesting to see him uh, get matched up further. Hopefully, um, they just kind of take it slow and let it build because those flyweight prospects, boy, do they get rushed to market, huh? Good lord, yeah. They get spoiled. Jesus. They get spoiled for their, you know, for this, you know, too soon. It's like they're uh, they're filet mignons, you know, they're souf not filet mignons, they're soufflés in the making. But Demetrius Johnson needs so much contenders. They're just yeah. treating it like a fast well, food deep fryer why, with yeah. these guys. Like, why do you think Horiguchi got the fuck out, dude? He was like, "Wait, you want to pay me how much, Ryzen? I'm out." Yeah. There's no way he's gonna beat him after yeah. that, that. I mean, what was it? The latest finish in UFC history? It's too? hard to blame him. Yeah, it's hard true. to blame him. Anyways. All right, all right. Well, that was on a fight to avoid, even though we did get it right, and it just wasn't worth the play. Again, it was a debutante. It was a lot of intangibles at play here. No matter who you like, you know, we, we, enough to get you worried. The next one, though. Almost made the pieces for my parlay, Brian. Luan Chagas did. I'm a big fan of Chagas. Man. Um, but he ended up being a official prop piece inside the distance because I love Judo Jimmy, man, but there's a damage trend as you saw him. Even though his chin was actually holding up and Judo Jimmy was doing better than he has in the past. And, and or not in the past, I should say in, in recent Recently, performances. Yeah. Um, that still downtrend of, you know, 37 years old, doing this for a while, fighting top of the top from the Bellator, you know, Bellator European, I should say, Bama, um, Cage Warrior scenes. But Chagas, man, I, there's a lot I like about him that kind of came through in a much more amplified way tonight. The reason why I took him with Sergio Marais, who's a respectable contender back at UFC 198 last year, um, who he fought to a draw, thankfully, didn't make me wow. at least look crazy. Um, you know, lost because of rookie mistakes, overextending himself. But the reason why is because when you're striking, he, he shows these these offbeat timing things you were kind of telling me. Because I remember, like, I, I ran into you today, and we, we didn't catch up on the prelims. You're like, dude, I saw this one guy in the prelims. He's using offbeat time. Like, you Holy were nailing shit. all the points. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, you know, the back fist off the... In it, my opinion, that could be that's contender for knockout of the year. Absolutely. And it was, The way he just faked him out with it. He, he was convinced that it was already the left hand thrown, but it was truly the backhand. And the left hook yep. came directly afterwards and just caught him. Oh, it was beautiful. And he was I watched hiding, it yeah. like 40 times. And it's crazy because before that, he was hiding, He combined two things, okay? Mm. The hooks and then the offbeat flicks, okay? He yeah. combined with that. The hooks, he was actually hitting him with hooks and hiding it just as well. Earlier in the fight, but in a different way, he was punching with Judo Jimmy. Every time Judo Jimmy was coming, I'm punching with the straight punches. He was kind of doing check hooks or, or, or if he, you know, over the top. Or if he was pushing forward the same time Judo Jimmy was pushing forward, he was coming with a right over the top, depending on what stance, which stance he was in. Oh, yeah. And then what he was also doing was kind of flicking off offbeat jabs. And it was kind of like, so it was just like a one, one, two, one, one, two. 
one, 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 mm. one, two, you know, kind of, sorry, I hit the mic there, but you know, yeah. he's just throwing yeah, these totally. offbeats kind of there, changing the timings and rhythms up, and he built upon that, um, not to the level of a builder of a fighter we'll like talk about. Halfway but, through the fight, right? It was like two, 2.30 of the... Yeah, I mean, Jim Wallhead was coming correct. I mean, not just having a chin and showing his quote-unquote toughness. With toughness can mean just a guy that eats a lot of shots, right? Totally. You know what I'm saying? But no, Jim Wall. I mean, offensively, he was doing well, too. He hit Chagas, made Chagas respect him, but... Uh, yeah. Chagas kept coming forward, did not, you know, kept composed. He's a real composed fighter for a young guy, even though he made, you know, young guy mistakes like I pointed to in the last episode of the podcast. He is, you know, as a builder, not as much as the guy, in, you know, as we'll talk about in the main event there. But anyways, started the night off with a nice positive there. Cash the half unit for plus 100. There we go. Watch out for this guy. Excuse me, Luan Chagas. Um, next fight was on the fights to avoid. It was obvious. Um... <clears throat> One girl uh, has a name that's one letter removed from Boyle, and the other one looks like an Oompa Loompa. Hey, uh, and I don't want, I already made a, a terrible uh, Willy Wonka joke uh, <laughs> in the last podcast, so I really want to pull up, especially since she came through in a while. Let's give Dan, can you give the fucking girl some respect? Like, poor fucking girl. You know, Brian Stan even kind of uh, led to that because he said, you know, say? she's finally fighting someone her size. Okay, all right. I, oh, I was hoping he said something. It's politically Lumpa, correct. Like he didn't call her. Yeah, he didn't call her. I thought he was just about to say he's like, oh my god, he is. I wish I knew the girl's name. The girl that eats too much blueberries and then she gets too too fat in the Wonka faction to roll her out. Like, like I was about to say, like this, you know. Oh, that's great. Actually, that was a more swifter victory than it was tonight. Um, you know, uh, Moyle stayed strong. Hey, she's a Vegas girl, man. She went to CSN yeah. like I did. Went to oh, UNLV. Nice. Uh, trains with a uh, you Khalil. know syndicate at then Khalil. Yeah. Yep. You know. Um. So I mean, she, you train in similar circles. So I, I got love for Moyle and whatnot, but uh, I just thought the athleticism was going to be the edge, and it was. You know, they both were not too far spaced skill-wise, but mm-hmm. it's kind of just crazy, right? I was just talking about this with my girlfriend. I was like, because she was like, oh, because my, my girlfriend used to be a professor at UNLV, and that's where um, Moyle got her uh, nursing degree. And I'm just like, right. it's kind of crazy. I'm like, again, I'm a big supporter. I did top five female fights in this pod- on this year podcast not too long ago. I'm a champion of growth of all martial arts, including for females and all types. There's nothing like that. Like, all jokes aside, I'm all about that. Oh, of course. But let's be honest here. When I talk about the reason why sample size and the reason why the females are usually on my fights to avoid list, because not just MMA with all the weird stuff and that we compare to other pro, what other pro sport and compared to MMA? Like, there's a long list of that analogies to start like that, right? Yeah, totally. But for this one in particular with Moyle, she's a nursing degree. It's like, what other sport where there's a girl, she's not particularly athletic, let's be honest, right? By any means. She's getting a nursing degree, which is Currently? the complete. You no, know, she's already nursing, or she already has it, or whatever. But oh, it's wow. like that's the complete opposite of professions, right? Yeah, healing course. people and getting in the cage to fuck shit, people yeah. up, to put them in the hospital. Yeah, so I'm gonna do the complete opposite of my profession <clears throat> as a non-athletic uh, girl, and I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Uh, by the way, at the highest level in the highest organization. She went from treating How people fucking to bananas out is that? of the hospital to putting them in the hospital. It's both a compliment and a backhanded compliment at the same time, what I'm saying, but it kind of puts a lot of perspective on that. It's a compliment to her, first of all. Like, totally props to you. Win or lose. Like, you yeah. fucking made it this far, Moyle. Good on you. Absolutely. But part of that, part of it, it kind of says a lot about the women's division, unfortunately, the state of it, where this is what's making it to the cream of the crop. I mean, in the NBA, they're going to be like, you know, like, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Johnson was a nursing degree grad, but, you know, he decided his junior year of college... He was going to try out for the basketball team. Actually, I will say, though, my favorite basketball player, Scotty Pippen, Arkansas, uh, walk-on as a ball boy because he couldn't make the team at the ball boy till his sophomore year. Damn. And didn't come on, which is just an anomaly in basketball, Damn. by the way. Yeah. And then ends up ends up uh, being top 50 uh, greatest players. Anyways, neither here nor there. Uh, next fight uh, was also last one on the fish on the avoid list. Did you see Yuri Alcantara versus Brian Kelleher? Yeah, that choke. Wow. Yep. 
again, I'm a big fan of Yuri, and I, 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 I not not many people are, but the people that are respect to you, you know who you are. But some people I came to me and they're like, why is this on the avoid list? Like Yuri should win this fight. Um, Brian Keller is taking this on short notice. There's not much. He doesn't have much experience on paper, especially compared to a veteran like Yuri. Of course. Um, he doesn't look like a world beater in any particular area in the footage that you see. And there's no footage on his last fight slash last two fights. Well, because, first of all, there's no footage on his recent fights, I didn't want to play it because in the footage that there is, you can see that there's fight-to-fight improvements. That, mm. and also I heard from a few birds back from the East Coast that this guy's no joke. And upon looking closer, I'm like, wow, he is no joke. He beat Andre Sukumta, who's... Not the biggest deal or anything, but he recently made it to the UFC and uh, beat another gentleman twice with a decent record and then beat like a jobber with no record. But his last loss was to Andy Main about five fights ago by Triangle. First of all, the Triangle is sick. Second of all, Andy Main's no joke. I was saying on this last podcast, he's a guy, you know how I'd go back to Alliance for a couple years there oh, yeah. when Neil was there. Mm-hmm. And I met him on one of those trips because Miles Jury brought him in. Andy Main in for the Gomi camp because okay. uh, of his boxing. But Andy Main also was just a crazy, like, high guard, like, sick sick guard player. So he would train um, in the pro practices or the, or the private practices with, like, me, Neil, the BCG guys, and, like, whatever alliance pros, like Phil Davis, whatever. Like, they would jump in. And Andy Main was a guard guy, so he clicked with Neil, like, straight on. And that guy was no joke. So I was like, okay, that's, that's a legitimate loss. Oh, yeah. And I'm, like, watching the progressions of this guy. So that's why he kind of made it on my list. That mixed with the price tag, I mean... Three to one is tough to play. I did play the three to one uh, parlay piece, which cashed later in the card. We'll talk about her, her later. But um, Yuri, I couldn't. So as much as I love Yuri, that's why I put it on the void. Uh, yeah, Yuri goes. I'm wrong on the pick, but this is why. And you see that he takes Yuri down. Thankfully, Brian's picking it up right now because I would have forgot to have touched on this. It looks like a fast tap, and it may have been because even you even hear Kel- Kelleher. Who apparently from inside circles, people say he has a squeeze, as you heard in the commentary. Oh, they reiterated that How point, right? How fast was that choke, though? Yes, but even even Kelleher, even though he's got a renowned squeeze, he even said he was surprised he tapped so fast. But you what see I, his eyeballs there? Yeah. Yeah, what I will say, though, is here's a rule of thumb. The Armin guillotine is the hardest guillotine to get. It's really tough, right? Yeah. Because just like a triangle, a lot of times on a triangle... I will just, you know, I'll protect my arm from getting arm barred or manipulated so it doesn't get, you know, if I'm, if I'm caught in a triangle choke and they're trying to get my arm across my body to finish the choke, pull my head down, squeeze, right? Well, I'm doing a couple of different things to protect my arm that's inside the triangle. But more importantly, I'm creating space between my shoulder and neck because the more space between my shoulder and neck means there's blood flow, so there's no triangle choke. Um, because of that principle, an arm and guillotine is tough to get because it's not a triangle choke, but again, you're closing off somebody at their head and arm. It's the same cutoff point in principle, right? Yeah. I mean, we don't have to be a grappler here to, to, to know an arm and guillotine from a triangle. Those are pretty basic positions. Definitely. Well, here's a rule of thumb Neil Melanson, the aforementioned Neil Melanson taught, which is what you can see if you go back and watch this finish, uh, Yuri Alcantara and Brian Kelleher. And the rule of thumb is when you're grabbing onto the head and the arm, it's a tough choke to finish and... I love Dominic Cruz talking about crunching because most people are kind of pulling back and you're lightening up on the choke, which is why people pop their head out. Yeah. It's because guys like pull back like they're in a movie, like and they're leaning their head back like, like it's a deadlift they can't get off the ground. But no, you actually have to crunch in to make the choke, and you can't be flat on your hips. You know, being flat on your hips is bad for sweeps, it's bad for guard play, it's bad for offense, it's just bad in general. Well, it's bad for guillotines too, so you have to get on your single hip. So Kelleher crunches and he gets on his left hip, as you can see. But more importantly, the rule of thumb that I'm kind of taking my time to get to here is that, you know, Neil would also tell us that you have to have a, a horizontal clothesline, the rule of thumb. So in other words, if you're, if you're looking in a mirror and you're putting your hand up, okay, you're putting one hand up and one hand down, you're looking in the mirror, there needs to be a perfect horizontal line from your neck to your armpit. 
neck to the armpit, okay? And usually, as you see, when somebody's reaching and they're clasping their hands for a guillotine choke, they're almost making a clothesline they're choking with, right? That is kind of the line you need to use for your point of reference as far as making a horizontal line with your choking arm mm. from the neck to the armpit. Now, if it's gotcha. at a horizontal, you're good. But if you're here, if it's at an angle, it's bad. Ah, because now, see, there's, look really, at that space. Look at that go. space between Absolutely. the shoulder and neck yeah. now. And, and uh, I'm sorry it's bad for the podcast yeah. uh, as far as that last, that, that last part of the detail. But, it's okay. I'm getting but, it. But yeah. Um, but it's, it, that, that's kind of the rule of thumb for arm and guillotine. So we're going to move on to the next fight, um, it, which was uh, Johnny Eduardo versus Matthew Lopez. A lot of people from the public to the Sharps to people you know I respect, hence the Sharps, um, move this line. Uh, the line I felt was correct, um, opening around a minus 170 to 180. As far as um, Matthew Lopez being the favorite, but I believe he closes a dog. Wow, really? And the line, yeah, the line was moving hmm. this whole last couple of days. And again, I suspect because a lot of people I respect, they go to with picks and stuff. We're on, we're on Johnny Eduardo. Yeah, and Johnny Eduardo paid off big back in the day. I mean, he, for a lot of people, uh, you know, um, um, my man Ed John's Crazy Life is one of his one of his best dog picks. I know for the, uh, you know, uh, I think Dan Levy had him too, but for. Uh, when he knocked out Eddie Wineland, I don't know if you remember that. Oh, he was that yeah, guy that came out that. Oh, and yeah, Eddie Wineland retired. He was the guy that retired Eddie oh, Wineland, yeah. absolutely. Well, temporarily. But, but the thing retired. was, Johnny Eduardo and I got you know me. I got love for the older guys, and and, and I got love for guy underdogs that uh, that come. You know, he was like plus six hundred in that How fight against Wineland. <clears throat> he's thirty seven as a bantamweight. Oh wow, okay. Well, what's more crazy? He's been fighting nineteen ninety six. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, how many guys have been doing it that long? Not yeah, really. uh, last year we had Josh Barnett and Andre Orlovsky, and everyone's bragging like these guys have been fighting since '98 and '99. Like Eduardo's been doing the damn thing since '96, and no holds barred days, Brazil. Like damn. real, the real, real, like the Pele days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And back when they fight in the one thirty-five. Well, yeah, but you know, at the same time, it, it's got to catch up with you sometime. And that of might course, not have been yeah. it here, but the thing was, he, you know, it was like he comes from Novo Nyao. Johnny Eduardo is a trainer. Is a training partner with up oh, there. It is right there. You have to finish. Is a training partner of Jose Aldo's. But the thing is, it's a, it's a good camp. But the, Eddie uh, Eduardo is more toward the bottom of the totem pole. Like you have Henan Barrow and Jose Aldo at the of top, course, and you start yeah. having you go down one tier. It's Hawkeran Diaz, right? And Johnny Eduardo is more toward the bottom. Of that no offense to him. And this guy, this Lopez guy, like I said in a couple of fights, those Mexican. You know, they talk about the Mexican boxers and the spirit, Mexican toughness and the stereotypes. Those same Mexicans that take up wrestling are some of the most difficult fighters and the most fun rounds I've had in the gym, but the most difficult and fighters to deal with. And they're some of my most favorite fighters for that because they bring that spirit that is that stereotype and the trope Mexicans have in boxing, yeah. but they have it in wrestling. <laughs> and even Dominic Cruz was paying props because he wrestled in the same time Dominic Cruz in that same circuit. So they're both because they both came out of Arizona, although they did most of their MMA training in California. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, it was weird because Lopez was thirty years old, right? He's from you know he, he used to be training. Remember Rain Training Center, Mark Munoz and that whole oh yeah, Ellenberg all those guys. Uh -huh. He was their wrestling coach, so it was kind of a weird sample size where a guy with a big wrestling background and then he's a coach of like pros. Those guys don't get fights. Guys don't take fights with those guys. So those guys get thrown into it really fast. Yeah, of course. And that's why his first first fight was against Ronnie Yaya and the odds makers. Even though he took is Ronnie Yaya. Uh, on short notice, I believe even Oddsmaker's favorite this kid, wow. and he gets submitted by Ronnie Yaya. But that's late, right? It was like third round. Yeah, but he he put up a fight, and he it was because you know novice mistakes and whatnot, and he's playing a guy that's got in the game over territory, and I was just really confident he was going to be get a, you know get him to the ground here. Everyone kept pointing to the Mitch Gagnon counter left hook, but Mitch Gagnon is 
really underrated. Michigan Young's a guy that give Hennon Brow a tough fight. Granted, it was Hennon Brow recovering from two KO losses. He fought Michigan Young. That could factor into it, absolutely. But Michigan Young gave him a tough fucking fight. Yeah. And is an underrated dude. So I didn't put too much into that because Michigan Young, I don't even remember Matthew Lopez's last fight, Brian. Michigan Young iced him and was just almost like finished it like bad, like almost get getting to that main event, like where we'll get which we'll get to. And this guy came back from that yeah, and then won the next two rounds. So yeah. everybody's pointing to them getting dropped, but I'm like, no. Yeah, he got dropped, but he came back and won two rounds. I'm like, what are we valuing more here? Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned that Mexican toughness. Yeah. I, I had a friend's mom who's an x-ray. like tech, Yeah. And she always like jokingly told him, she'd be like, listen, don't be getting in fights with any Mexican boys because I've seen the kind of pain that they can handle. <laughs> I swear, she was like, She's like giving details on this. She's like, you don't want to fight those boys. Oh, that's great. It's hilarious. Yeah, it always cracked me up. And then that just it leads to the same thing. It's true. That's fantastic. All right, well, Lopez cashed. Oh, he didn't cash, actually cashed uh, as far as like a parlay piece. If you used him there and the rest of your pieces didn't fall, he worked for you. Um, I played him straight up because, again, this was more the matchup calls for him to win mixed with the price is right. Slash maybe even more than right slash playable. That's why people question why does a random guy like Matthew Lopez who's one and one yeah. and almost lost the fight that he won on your pieces for your parlay, Dan? Well, that's why. And even though the prop didn't cash by submission, um, the analysis was spot on. He outworked him on the ground, and then you also just had a weird 50-50 position, which there's another one which we'll get to in the, in this card. And you just see in the re- <coughs> as we're watching the replay here. Um, Eduardo was kind of just too tough for his own good. And Yamasaki, those Brazilian refs will let the Brazilians take He owed him money, day. I swear. He had to have. Fucking Yamasaki, dude, in Brazil. Yamasaki, I tweeted this, and it's nothing toward Yamasaki. Like, I appreciate a guy who throws hearts and looks like Rob Schneider on a non-hungover day. But the, the truth is, <laughs> like Yamasaki... Had too much to eat. I hate playing the Brazilian, oh, Brazilian refs and Brazilian commission in Brazil, bro. No, like, seriously, like... As someone who watches enough fights, there's way there's way too many coincidences. Yamasaki fucking standing up fights that favor Brazilians, but letting them take beatings. But I, I tweeted Brian. I said to be fair, John Sharp and Steve Percival do the same thing to two Australians, right? We've seen that fucking Ryan Bader versus Anthony Peroche. Get up. Get up for five rounds or for three rounds to see him get smashed, and the, the Hector Lombard versus Neil Magny, like oh those Australian refs. If you're Australian and you're fighting with, and you have an Australian ref in Australia, like they're gonna make you fucking man up. Who refs Steve Adiocic versus Mark, Mark Hunt? Same thing, Sharp. Holy that was John Sharp. fucking exactly. shit, dude! Come on, Mark, fight back, Mark. Fight back. Like, are you coaching? Like, are you coaching him or refing him? Like, stop Jesus this fight! Christ. <laughs> that fight yeah. should have been stopped at round three. By the way, Mark oh Hunt versus Stevie went to five. He set the record by like how many more punches? Hundreds? Who fucking Ex- knows? Dude? Exactly. Mark Hunt is way too tough for his own. Dude. Jesus. So again, I'm not picking on Yamasaki, like or Brazil or Brazilians. Like this is this is something that you can kind of point to trend wise in certain markets. But yeah, that was that was certainly one of them. All right, uh, next fight almost made it on to the pieces for the parlay. I know a lot of people were big on this, and I'm glad it cashed for them. Um, I'm also glad it cashed for them because it cashed for me because the line actually went down on this. And, Brian, that is Eric Spicely versus, that's right, mixed martial analyst, web guy, our best friend, yeah. Mike Stith. Big silly. Big silly. Oh, sorry. I mean, Antonio Shoeface, Antonio Carlos Jr. They look similar. Except, uh, well, actually, Big Silly's catching up to Antonio Carlos Jr. Big Silly's been doing that yoga and CrossFit. He's getting trimmed. CrossFit, I didn't know that. Or we're not no, CrossFit, or whatever the fuck no he's doing. Carb diet. Oh no, it's a Pilates or whatever. But I didn't. Uh, I, I did. I did that stuff when I was at True Fusion. That's nice. legit, man. Oh yeah. my god. I can't imagine his big ass sweating all that out. He's killing it from the pictures yeah, I'm seeing. No, it. So I, I got a meeting with him. Uh, by the way, I got a meeting with the web guy. We're gonna be doing some upgrades and stuff. Like I said, I've got the YouTube channel subscribed for and the SoundClouds. 
We just have to put the finishing touches, and those will be up and running. I have not forgotten about those. But thankfully, our web guy came through tonight and uh, made the first round a little tougher. Did you see this fight at all, Brian? I did, yeah. I was I was hoping it would go on the ground. I wanted to see it. But, yeah, it did. And it kind of was a stalemate for the full, whole first, excuse me, the whole first round. Yeah, it was. And to Spicely's credit, he he under, you could tell he understood the position. Totally. He was uh, staying ahead, you know. Um, from figure, you know, he immediately figure forward his leg, and that protects you. I mean, there is a certain compression where you can kind of weave, but when you get a mo- gets much more higher level guys, much less if you're in a UFC fight, kind of a fat chance you're gonna get a tap from it. So Eric Spicy does one thing I always champion: figure forming the legs. And at one point, he even tried to sit up, which we saw. Um, excuse me. Ooh. Matthew Lopez did do. He didn't exactly cross his legs every time, although he did. But Matthew Lopez did the same thing where. He grabbed the back of the head because you always want that counter leverage. Even if they do have a good grip on your heel, like an arm bar, what do they have to do? Same with a leg or any kind of joint. They have to they have to back sit back, head. right? Mm-hmm. But the thing that we were saying was bad for the guillotine is good for any type of joint manipulation. That whole sit back. And if you grab the back of their head, they can't sit back, and your wow. knee is safe. It's not getting any tension. So Lopez did the same. Did this, that, that 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 smart thing by holding the head. And elbowing, um, Spicely had a few opportunities where he looked to do that, which was smart, but couldn't get it. And that's why you saw him smartly abandon and go for go for something I always champion, which is wrist control. Mm-hmm. And again, guys, if you if you have one hand of theirs, that means they only have one hand. If they only have only one hand, it's hard to submit, choke, or pass any type of position with only one hand. It sounds like the stupidest thing in the world. That's why when you tr- I always say, oh, you turn up, stand to give the back. Doesn't mean turtling up's wrong, but you have to do certain things accompanied with your turtle. You have to do a two-on-one grip, which you hear corners yell from, and go two-on-one, pin their hand to the mat, put your ass up in the air like it's a big, you know, apex point, like a triangle, and then you're good because you make a ski slope that's hard for people to get on their back because they're going to fall forward like a ski slope. And again, with one hand pin, you'd be surprised. Trust me, if you're a grappler, do this experiment both pinning someone's hand and having someone pin your hand, whether you're in half guard, side control, all the positions. You'll see how much it, it, it disrupts you and it almost makes you want to pull your hair. And once you realize that, you will start fighting hands any time you can. Trust me. Okay, I didn't yell that enough, but Carlos Jr. kind of gets out of that little turkey fight next round, comes back strong. Way strong. Um, granted, Spicely helped him. He tried to do the, 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 the shitty you know half guard pull, but didn't have the... Damian Maya, uh, Big Nog, Antonio Noguera, you know, get up chains from it and allowed uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. to kind of settle in, take the back in a beautiful back take. And, and Carlos Jr. doesn't need much space. Like when you see him take his back, he, like, Spicy doesn't even do the traditional turtle that I always kind of point to for giving backs. Like a guy like uh, Carlos Jr. is so good at taking the back, he just needs the small of your back. And you'll see he'll kind of scoot and jump his shin. Uh, across like vertically going across the lower part of your back backbone horizontally and what that does that allows him to kind of ride with you whichever way you roll and he'll flop his his leg over for a hook and kind of do the chair sit like BJ Penn because he's even which is more impressive because he's so big but he's got that leg dexterity where he can bring his leg around at weird angles like arms and and do the thing called the chair sit Mm -hmm. and really kind of clamp in clamp down ride to mount ride surf lock a back position in and uh, as my man Luke Thomas likes to point out, has a nice flex that we're looking at right, right now with the in the background where when he chokes, he flexes. And it's almost a lower back that makes you tap. And I didn't reply to Luke, but I saw him making a general tweet saying, do you know how painful that is? And the screenshot was, you know, Carlos Jr. with the choke and applying the pressure where he's got the figure four. You see him 
you know, uh, flexing out Eric Spicely's back. Not only do I know how much painful that is, I've tapped a couple times um, to people who just uh, just have me a back mount. They have me flattened out, and they don't even have a choke in. But they have both their hooks in. They have me flattened out in a back mount on the floor. My belly, my face is kind of to the floor. And they're pushing their hips in, and they're flexing their legs up. Ooh. So it's making my back gotcha. do the same bend that you're seeing in the Carlos Jr. Spicely. And I've tapped, admittedly, and I didn't want to tap. I don't usually tap to paint the stuff, unfortunately. I would have saved myself a lot of injuries if I had. <laughs> but that is one where it is it is excruciating. You don't need the choke. You don't need to be under the chin. Uh, that's a brutal one. It's true. It's been a while since I've seen you limping around, dude. It is bad. One, <laughs> that is the one good thing. Now I'm just having trouble, like, you know, uh, bending over time. My shoes a bit with fucking if I keep drinking these beers. But that's yeah. another story for oh, another man. day. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm going to have another sip of that. As but we, did you see the next drink. fight? Uh, like I said, I watched the first round, which admittedly was pretty close. It was close. It was just yeah. low action, but lots of countering. Uh, Marais looked way better. Is that how you say his name? I don't yep, know. yep. It, it's Marlon Marais versus uh, a Sun Sal. And people are like, why did you have a debutante for your pieces for your parlay? Again, this was just a matchup that I saw him winning, and the, the line was correct. And the price was not without a range. So just like Matthew Lopez, I'm like, give me Sergio Marais. Except I was more confident in that. And so was the line, considering that Mariah's line grew, whereas Lopez's line shrank. But even though it played out, even though Mariah's was the faster, quicker, better mover with footwork, not allowing the takedowns or the scrambling opportunities, and ultimately landing more shots, putting more volume, taking the center of the octagon, unfortunately not enough, because I was getting flashbacks to watching at your old place, Brian, when we were watching TJ Dillashaw versus Rafael Sunsau the first fight, oh, yeah. and scratching our fucking heads. Um, and again, I don't think that was a robbery then, nor am I saying this is a robbery now. And if you look at my tweet, I do use the word robbery, but if you look, I made a point to say that it was a scorecard robbery of making it 30-27 because, again, despite that, I will stand to it, I believe, for most of the rounds, he was, you know, um, Marias was able to outpoint, outpoint, uh, land more overall, control the center, um, Shut down and not allow for any grappling openings. Not that, excuse me, a Sun Tzu push for a lot. Um, they were close rounds. I scored the first one for, and I saw people across the board. I saw 30-27 for Marais. I saw round one Marais, round two a Sun Tzu, But I actually went the opposite. I thought a Sun Tzu, uh stole enough momentum at the end by landing big shots. Especially with judges, how they remember stuff at the end more so. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I was like... I saw people on both sides of that first round, but I said, you know, I actually gave it to a Sunsau. Now, the second one, I thought a Sunsau was taking the rhythm, but Mariah started kind of getting it toward the end. And then he, through the last minute, I believe, he consistently landed about three to four converse, uh, combinations within the last minute. But a Sunsau did kind of come on strong toward the very end, although it wasn't that effective, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I was like, okay, well, I feel like Mariah stole the round. A lot of people thought Mariah did good across the board, it seemed like, but I also heard the commentary, which influenced a lot of people too, saying that, you know, a son's house taking the beginning of the second round, which I agreed with. That's why I said I give Mariah the second, but it's by a narrow margin because he stole it. So by those, the closeness of those two rounds, by my, my no admission is just a robbery. By no omission, you know, obviously, I, I admit that, you know, um, a Sun Tzu could have won those two rounds straight up. And if that's how it was scored, Brian, I would not feel so butthurt about this. But unfortunately, it was just like a big fuck you because here comes round three. And I'm obviously, a Sun Tzu lands more than one punch, but he barely does anything. 
and he barely lands anything. The most he does or lands literally comes in the first 30 to 45 seconds. He lands one naked right hand behind the, or counter right hand behind the ear of Marlon, which is enough to send everybody for wobbly legs. Marlon oh, yeah. goes, I got to watch the, the, the drop again, but Marlon, it looks like he goes, touches down just for a second with his hand and everything kind of goes down and pops back up. And then starts returning, shows balance, moving around like nothing happened. And even Brian Stan comments, like, look at his balance, like nothing happened. That was within the first minute. And in my opinion, I have to watch to watch. And Marlon Marais goes and he controls the center and hits him with the most volume, throws the most volume, hits him with the most volume, and consistently controls the center more than he's done throughout any of the rounds, which in my, and according to Twitter, and the educated people that I follow, and many other people's opinion, probably I would say 70%, not everybody, of course, but the majority is safe to say, I feel good about saying, felt the most clear round to judge of the whole fight. Yeah. The course. easiest round for Marais. And then... And you know that 30% is the people that bet out the opposite. Exactly. Well, that's probably too. And then even the commentators, which granted, they might be influencing, but they didn't say it toward till toward the end. Then they started coming around a little, and started saying, you know what, this is a very strong round for Marais. So what should have been the, the the closest round? Not only did one judge with a crucial scorecard give a 30-27 to Sun Sal, which was a scorecard that took the fight from Mariah's hands, but apparently even the 29-28, Mariah's and 29-28 of Sun Sal, all three of these motherfuckers gave the third round to a Sun Sal. Jesus. The most clearest round. So again, I didn't say robbery then. I'm not saying robbery now, and I still have to watch. They're both Brazilian And I know too, I right? put money. Yeah, they're both Brazilian. And I know I put money in this and that, but honestly... That's a shit in the face right there. The most clear round of a controversial close fight. Forget how much money. The most clear round is scored by all three. That's a fucking flag if I ever saw one. I'm not yeah. saying you know, he was robbed. Uh, this could have easily been a split decision for a Sun Sal. Let's not get it twisted. But, man, look me in the face and say you agree with that 30-27. Which, by the way, I did see people even who had a Sun Sal winning say, Hey, I don't agree with 30-27. So, I'm not coming at anybody or anything like that. But, man, that was just a ridiculous decision. Definitely. And they're talking about, like, worst ways to lose bets. Um, my, my man Daniel Levy was tweeting that the other day. And I would say my worst way is probably just because this is the way like, I, I lose most of the time. Even though there's really bad calls, like that Kamozi call last card. I'll admit to it, but there. But honestly, not only my positive, most of my bad, my, my my, and you know this, Brian, because you've been there too. Most of the fights that I lose, those key parlay pieces are the guy, one guy shows up really bad, and the underdog shows up really good. Oh, of course. Because in those fights, no matter how you cut it, you end up shoveling excuses. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, no matter how justified you were in your analysis, because this those are just the worst MMA, fights. Man. Yeah, Jesus exactly. It's those who are the wants worst it more? ones. Who's got the heart? There's a lot of factors yeah. outside of technical breakdowns. Yeah. This one is rough too, though, because just because of that, that that whole third round. Again, if it was like 29-20 to Suns out because of one rounds one and two, I would have been fine. We moved on, whatever. But we still ended positive. It's all good. I think it's a good learning lesson from Marais. But I saw people touting that. Um, stat of like debutants that lose and that's really important and I really want to go back and track that for sure but at the same time I don't think uh, Mariah should be shit on for this by any chance like I in the fight that most people good. thought he won yeah he yeah. looked good he did what he normally does and again Sun Sal is underrated I knew he was underrated betting against him it's just again the matchup made sense the line made sense I took a shot I missed um, and that's the end of it and on that beat man let's take a break while we hey, refill yeah. our drinks and we will be back right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast to break down the rest of the main card for UFC 211 Stoke 212 212 <laughs> <laughs>
SC212 breakdown yeah, recap, I should say. We'll have to see about that first part, huh? Maybe Jesus. you said 211, like we're in a time warp here. Yeah, thankfully I didn't finish my beer, so I didn't refill one, especially after that mix-up. But yeah. if I refill my beer, we'd be breaking down fucking UFC Fight Night 13 again. Oh, yeah. old throwback from the early show podcast. I didn't really keep, keep that trope of finding an excuse to bring that card up. But uh, no, you can't have the beer. Uh, Brian's dog Luca yeah. is trying to drink some beer right now. He's a lovely boy. But uh, they're the curious, aren't they? The boxers. Yeah. Speaking of boxers, we had uh, a a pretty uh. Well, I don't want to say boxing based. There were some hard kicks thrown, but Jesus. a barn burner uh, in the uh, opener. I I stayed away from this one. I did actually sprinkle. I lied. I said no plays. I did throw like a three dollar bet on the TKO prop for Yancey and Medeiros, which nice. thankfully, but okay. uh, no, 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 no chest popping might me. This was just for fun. Um, this was Yancey Medeiros with Eric Silva. Now, as you know, um, you know, uh, prelims slash mainly that first fight, the main card, usually the worst for Dan Tom on these after party editions because I'm in transit for the most part of uh, most of the Good cards, boy. especially yeah. the big cards. I'm going here to Brian's house, so I'm driving over. Usually they're walking out as I'm kind of coming in, saying hi, getting the dog settled, oh, doing the all those things. Oh, the dog's a whole another story, yeah. Yep, and then even then catching up on Twitter. So I was like kind of head up, uh, up and down, up and down. And of course, when I put my head down, I missed some crucial key parts. So I'm going to hand it over to my man Brian here, who really saw a lot of this fight. How did you see this fight? Who did you have going into this? I should say first, Brian, and then kind of talk us what you remember of this fight watching. Oh, yeah. Medeiros, I had coming into this fight, okay. obviously. Uh, Eric Silva's been really inconsistent. He has his flashy, great performances, and then he kind of just drops off. Uh, this fight, I felt like he had a really strong first round. I mean, uh, there was definitely points where he had gotten hit, got wobbled, maybe, maybe wobbled, but definitely was getting tagged in the first, right. but I feel like he ended the round the strongest at the end there. Uh, but Yancey Medeiros, man, I mean, his fight style... He reminds me so much of Nate Diaz, man. The way he yeah. throws his hooks and all that. It's great. Even even like the smiles like, okay, come at me, bitch. Like, what do you want? What do you want? But yeah, I love his fight style, man. I knew it was going to happen eventually, but, you know, he's tough. I don't see him getting KO'd because most of his fights have been TKO's. Like the Dustin Poirier up against the cage. He just gotten beat up so many times. But with this, I mean, Eric Silva's tougher than shit. Yep. Let's be real. But yep. we, we know that he's more suspect to get dropped in that fashion. You know, a lot of people may have said early stoppage. I don't, I don't say, I don't disagree that with an early stoppage, but at the same time, he got flatlined. Yeah. He went from on his feet to his head slapping on the back of the canvas, so. Yeah, yeah, the punches in the canvas probably woke him back up, you could argue, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, he was sitting up, but he wasn't doing much. There were punches still landing, and we don't know where it would have led from there. True, true. And, yeah, I mean, well, I, I was kind of opposite, but same with you in the sense of me. Obviously, I picked Madero's and ended up siding with him if you read the breakdown. But I came in, um, this isn't hyperbole, but I came in leaning towards Silva. I was surprised to see, which I, I guess makes sense. The odds makers opened Silva as the favorite and the line shifted, as it should have. Because, again, I ended up siding with Madero's too. But I initially came in siding Silva. Size, his transition games and ground games were really underrated. He definitely could have won this fight here. That was his path here, right? Yeah, of course. But it was the striking that underestimated, that under kind of underwhelmed me because I think too much was made of that early Eric Silva, that, oh my God, he's so explosive and powerful. Oh, yeah. But when I went back to watch, not only was he only throwing ones and twos at a time and wide open for counters all day long, you know, he, you, know, him ruined him. you know, he only, for for as long as he's fighting explosive and crazy, only four TKO victories to his record whole career. That's on the ground standing. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And, again, now you couple that with what you said, Brian, the damage trends of him recently, especially this post-USADA, Eric Silva. I hate saying that, but Eric Silva is one of the guys where you can point to both physically, 
numbers trend well, and you know when opinion. was the Don Young Kim fight because I think that mm-hmm. had a lot to do with Eric Silva's whole entire that, well life. that's where his style was catching up to him that's for oh sure I don't know about the biological God. stuff of what was in his body but his style that's where that caught up you know the, turned about off. the dog yes and uh, and I, I saw you know even though it was a different shot Don Young Kim was throwing you know straight straight uh, overhand left kind of desperation and stepping off to the of side course, yeah this was one of those woo-woo things, which my woo-woo feelings, as much as I hate saying that, they paid off, man, because I had two woo-woo feelings, and they were both about Hawaiians, who I initially came in siding with their opponent. The first one, we'll save the, we'll save, we'll save the main event. I know, I'm already like cheating to it like the fucking fifth time now. I want the a fucking shotgun a beer over that. Oh, we will. It's Actually, like I'm going to send you for a beer before we get there, by the way. I don't care. Yeah. We're not going to take a break for that. But the first one, Brian, was Yancey Medeiros, and I said in my breakdown, and I, I tweeted this out, too, I'm like... I hate to see it, it's not a reason, but I not only the, the information I said about how we should temper our our pre existing notions on Eric Silva when we stop and look at things in, in relative time now, now that time's passed, but I see that check hook landing all day. Oh, and I asked you because I missed that first drop, which was a right hand over yeah. the top as mm-hmm. he was kinda coming it was forward. Temple. It was like bull back of the head. Yeah, and I was like, Tell me it was the hook because you know, you want you want to pump your chest or whatever, yeah, but it was a different it was a completely different yeah. scenario. It was Yancey coming forward, but what I was talking about, even though Yancey well he was still coming forward. Well, no, he wasn't coming forward. Yeah, it, it is, the hook came after a 1-2, but it was still a check because when you throw a 1 and a 2, especially in the heated exchange and you're throwing your 2 heavy, you kind of throw yourself out of position. Yeah. So a lot of boxing coaches will say throw a hook, and especially Pop. a check hook. It gets you on balance. Yeah. And it kind of has – it's cover fire exactly because if you, if you have to reset your balance after a 2 – and come back without a hook, what's going on here? Bottom Not defense, open. right? Yeah. I'm wide open. At least here I'm offering something. Exactly. You know, they're going to come into something if they try to hit me, and hopefully what I have will hit them first. It was because, a game of inches, too, because yeah. his hand was coming up, and it just went boom. Boom. But that check hook is wired into Yancy Medeiros. It's something that's really, yep, yep, and it's something that's really in his uh, style. And again, that's, that, that's from training with Nate Diaz. You know, we saw oh, that yeah. we saw that with Nate Diaz and Conor in his fight with Conor McGregor. I mean, it's two southpaws, but the, they they line up the same way in this fight as two orthodox fighters do. And you see the effectiveness of a check hook. And of course, check hooks, of course, uh, popular in Maring stance match too. But we we saw that here. Um, it was a little early. I think it was just a bad timing because, like you said, he goes flat, and uh, the way the, you know it was the point where he decides to kind of come in. But it's probably good for Eric Silva with the aforementioned damage trend. Jesus, that you stop yeah. it then, to be honest. So, um, yeah, that's that fight. Next fight, uh, Alawale uh, Bangbose versus uh, Boracin, as I call him, <laughs> throughout the fucking... I, yeah, his, I his last name's Costa. I can't even remember his name now. I, I typed it out through my breakdown like a hundred times. Bo, but Boracin. And apparently it means so little rubber, but it reminds me of like being a drunk because Baracho, Baracho... No say baracho, it's like you know Spanish and stuff like, but like I don't know, but I, either it's supposed to mean little rubber, which is. Mm. He reminds me of Tiago Silva. Now that I think of it, yeah. Now that I look at his posture, I, minus the tattoos. I heard Tiago Silva. I heard some other people too, but um, again, this guy's a bully for sure. But he does certain things and certain rhythm changes that it's not like a bully. Like even when he gets hit, he knows. He, like I was saying, he, he look at him, no selling. He's no selling because as I said in my breakdown, when a guy's hit him, he no sells it, which is a bully move. But he counters with not bully things, which is the one thing that kind of sets him apart for me, which kind of caught my eye. Because at first I'm like, okay, this is a bully guy. I'm going to look to fade him. And even if he was just a bully, he was still more technical. I still would have took him here over Bang Bo's, obviously, you know, with the odds. But people were like, well, he should be favored, but I think it's too far. I'm going to play Bang Bo's at a principle. And I get that because it's like a heavyweight dynamic matchup as far as the way it is on paper. But 
there's these little details that tell me so much more about Botticinia that I'm not saying he's going to be a top 10 guy. He might be biting off more than he can chew by asking for top 10 now. But what I am saying is that mixing up your rhythms, going to the body, especially when like you're well, ready to get your opponent out. Yeah. Oh, like, even even fighters that are composed and veterans, when you have your when you have somebody on the ropes and as tired as, as Bang Bose is, how many times do you see guys unload and just headhunt, even the most veteran oh, yeah, guys, right? Course, so what did he do? He goes to the body. So again, I'm trying to tell people, don't get taken in by his bully tactics. What's in, What you should be impressed with is those little tactics. How far will it get him? I, we just don't know yet. You know, True. we just don't know. This is the first time we saw him in the second round in his whole career. Um, yeah. as far I mean, as outside of the Ultimate uh, Fighter we, House. Yeah, that's true. And you saw how easy he faded uh Bam Bam Gosh Bahazet. Yeah, yeah. I mean you know, he was kinda of taking some breaths too, which me and you were both watching, but they weren't near the, the amount of Bang Bos and obviously they ultimately didn't matter. Yeah, that's the, true. the lines were so fortified on this though that like even like three or four days out, I believe, yeah. you weren't not only were you not getting plus money on him by TKO or inside the distance props. Uh, even the round one props were minus like one seventy five for, that's pretty Damn. bad. Yeah, so I don't blame people out of principle because the lines were not fun and they were asking to be taken from the other side, but I just didn't see it here, so I didn't play it for Bang Bos. And hopefully you didn't play him too hard if you played him. Next one is um, Marquardt versus Belfort. What did, who did you have in this one, Brian? Ah, uh, I you know at this point I wouldn't mind seeing Cheetor just get beat out of here, but. Uh, I I I figured that Cheetor may have had a moment to just take him out in, in the early rounds. But let's be real, Vitor's right. got a good solid two and a half minutes. But this time, you know, he like I said earlier, he was playing the right game. I mean, Mark yeah. Hort was allowing him to get comfortable, allowing him to sit there and wait for those massive explosions. So he wasn't being tired out like he normally would be. There was no pressure fighting. Yeah, definitely. I had I had a uh, Vitor, but like reluctantly because it's Vitor. Marquardt definitely had a path to victory with his thought was grappling, but he came in and he was striking more and kind of had his confidence until Vitor hit that flurry on him, right? Yeah. You saw Marquardt building confidence. It was kind of crazy. And, you know, good for Marquardt, but uh, it just, it just the matchup was, you know, I'm surprised Vitor didn't go to those head kicks sooner. Like I was saying, that was going to be there for all, all day, but you see him start going to it in what, the third or the second round? When did it end? Uh, what this fight didn't end. It was or no, no, decision. no, it didn't end. That's right. It went to the decision. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah, this yeah. is crazy in its own. Vitor Belfort decision, which by the way, plus one thousand fifty one. That prop, Vitor by decision. What? Yeah, it was too. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. I mean, I didn't well, see this fight going decision either see, way. Let's see what Usada says about this fight. That's true we... because Vitor. You, some people said he looked a little tighter. I didn't think he looked that great, but you the know, dad bod is on point. His legs. Were Marquardt though, I, I I didn't notice until Michael Bisping said something and. I don't think so much for the body, but Marquardt was able to take a lot of shots. True. And the reason why I reference Michael Bisping because on the FS1 on the broadcast, Michael Bisping is an official person on the desk. By the way, tweet at me if you heard this one. I know I'm not crazy. Like, see, I rewound it. He said as clear as day. Like, when Marquardt, after the face-off, and they're walking off right before they reset to the next fight, Bisping goes, oh, it looks like Marquardt changed up his diet for this fight, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Making the fucking crack at him. Oh. And again, it makes sense. It's a middleweight. It's a middleweight that's of the same graduating class, so to speak, of Vitor Belfort. It's a middleweight who's been caught for steroids and accused. And, you know, Marquardt's a nice Jesus guy. But let's not forget, Marquardt was a fucking bully in his day. He's a nice cheese right? Cheez-Its guy. Cheez He's a nice Cheez-Its guy, like Cheez-It, like, like, like Vitor. But he was a bully in his day. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, not totally surprised to hear Michael Bisbee take a shot at him there. Of course. But I won't make those accusations, especially based on physique. Because, like you said, Marquardt's always looked great, right? Yeah, like, I don't think, I don't think he great. took very much of a hit, at least physique-wise. Definitely mm-hmm. chin-wise. But the chin was surprising because yeah. as, as crazy as Vitor Belfort being dropped and stopped in the last four or five, 
Marquardt's been dropped and or stopped in the last seven of eleven, and that was right around the time where he got caught and stopped, stopped doing the TRT. Oh. Coincidence, coincidence, right? Yeah. And so he he was taking some good shots here. Even though Vitor wasn't throwing the high kick and other shots, that was we would have paid dividends until the end of the fight. From start to finish, Mark Watt was taking good shots here. And I'm not saying that means anything, but that that that, that was surprising. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm no, just I fucking. Agree. No, I mean, but I mean, uh, when was the last time we saw Mark Rick get rocked? Maybe seven or last eleven. But when when can you honestly think the last time he got rocked in a fight? I gotta pull up his record, but uh, Maybe. I, I think. Uh, I know one of his victories he did. CB Dalloway yeah, rocked CB him. Dalloway rocked but Dalloway went a little bit too heavy, and then he got rocked. Or and then he, got he lost to yeah. Santos after that, obviously. So that counts as a rock because he got TKO'd. Good point. And then he comes back, beats McCrory, but then loses to Alvi. I think Alvi stunned him a couple times. I'm not sure if that made my stat because I didn't include stuns. I, cl- I only right. included if he was actually physically dropped or stopped. I so even you. then, but that being said, that's even more kind of a oh, yeah, scary, scary stat, damage. right? Yeah, you know totally. what I'm saying? Because that's not like including. We said, it's always the guys you want to worry about that are right. able to take. The yeah, damage. I mean, stun it's tough. It's tough. Stun is like kind of being speculative. So I really just try to include dropped or stopped in that. When yeah, I, I get that. But yeah, no, no, that, that that's what it is. So, but yeah, it, it was. Uh, I hopefully y'all didn't play too much on that one. But it was uh, that was the read. Didn't see it go in the decision, but. Since they were both counters, and there's I, no way, there's no way Marquardt's gonna beat Vitor in Brazil to decision, yeah, in a true. decision at least. That's true. All right, before we refill some beers, why, why don't you intro, introduce the next one and you can put a little flavor on? I know you appreciate both these next mm. fighters in different ways, Brian. Mm-mm. I don't know, man. There's something about these two, like Gadelia. There's something about her, like the fact that she could beat the shit out of me, and I could do my laundry on her abs is like so hot. <laughs> Is the shaved head play a factor? Is that like does that, no? Is that, that's that, weird. I don't. I'm not down with the screen. That's not a signal to you. That's not a signal that's for like, something. That's like Xena Warrior Princess shit. That's like shit I'm talking about. Like where she could just beat the shit out of me, or like people that try to fight me. I'd be like, yo, don't don't make me get my girlfriend beat your ass. <laughs> but Carolina's like wife. I would bury the shit out of her. She could wink at me for the rest of my life. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I don't. I I I appreciate me some Kovalkiewicz. Uh, I won't say too much more in case my girlfriend's listening to this. But uh, <laughs> I will say though, maybe it's the over analytical mindset. But the shaved head thing of of, of Gadelia is a uh, is plus for me because like that's a girl that's like. Not only do you have to ask if certain things okay in the bedroom, she's probably going to be not just asking but telling you what's going down. And you're oh, just like, oh, that sounds fine. That's I, what I said. You asked. Wow, me fuck expand, Mary expanded menu tonight. Yeah, I, I did the I did the. I gave you an easy one though. I mean, it was true. A, it was between those two and what was it? Uh, your Jenny favorite Andrade, girl? Yeah. Well, I said I couldn't choose Gadelia as the fuck because she would end up fucking me. Oh Jesus and that's just Christ! Not okay. By the way, shout out to Luciana Andrade. Uh, I think it was the second or third last episode uh, uh, I co-hosted on Junkie Radio. She was in the studio. Nicest girl, man. Like no yeah. ego. Like you would stereotype for these ring girls or anything. Like she's got like a, I think a law degree, wow. business degree. Moved Jeez. to Florida, starting her own businesses. Yeah, really entrepreneurial and just a real smart girl. And she's a, uh, I guess tan, longer hair. She used to be a little more thicker, and she joked about that herself. And she's kind of trimmed down a bit, but she real just real seems like a real quality human being there. So, uh, see we uh, see see that we balanced out the sexism here at the Protect Your Neck podcast. There's no sexism. Look at that. We I'm just saying imp- she could dominate me. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. We can talk about maybe girls being on the wild side with some shaved head, but we come right back by empowering women with an education. And oh my god, it'd be a privilege to hold Jenny Andrade's hand. Let's be real. All pervertedness aside. Oh my god. Just to be seen holding that hold the hand. hand. Yeah. 
Holding yeah. hands is not the text messages that you saw between me and Brian no earlier way. today. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Let's get to the, let's break down this fight. We'll keep it PC. It'd be an honor to hold that woman's hand. Oh, Jesus. Holding hands. I want to Maybe hold. even just share eye contact for like 30 seconds. Jesus. All right. Well, I'm, 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 I, better not, I better not tell you the next time she's in the studio. No. All right. Uh, this fight, I, I honestly expected it to go to decision or maybe an over. I didn't play either. Lines were inflated. But the arguable inflated line that people were arguing, which usually is the truth when it comes to female fights because they have momentum swings. Oh, absolutely. Um, when you can't finish. But but Claudia could finish, and I stayed away from it. But her 3-1 to one price range was well worth it. That's why yeah. she was the final totally. piece of our parlay that cashed. Um would have been three, no, god damn it. But no, it's okay. Gladia Gadelia, man, did she put on a, a really... Yeah, actually, wow. as soon as she took her back, I was like, so what's her submissions like? I, I just can't think of any time she's ever gotten a finish, let alone a submission, so... It was she cool hasn't got a submission in nearly she seven years. Great, though. Yeah, she hasn't got a, a submission in nearly seven years, and... And that was her first finish in the UFC, according to John Anik. Yeah, it was, actually, yep, and... And again, I said, uh, even though I didn't call for the submission, what I did say in the breakdown was that, uh... Kovalkiewicz tends to turtle to give her back, and that's not good against Gedalia. Because even though I, I saw Kovalkiewicz having a submission defense, she's such a good positional grappler, uh, Gedalia is, that that, that that equals you know, giving her back might not equal submission, but it equals you losing a round. And it equals Gedalia not getting hit because she's on your back controlling you for the round, right? Yeah. Um, so, But yeah, she ends up taking it a step further, getting the finish and, and, and cashing that. So thank you, um, Claudia. And man, Carolina, you got to feel bad for her. She took it hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was really nothing that she, you know, she. It was a short fight. You got finished, which is a bummer. But I don't know. It wasn't like it. Uh, yeah, it was one sided, but it just ended quickly. She didn't have time to show how good or bad she was. Indeed. Do you want to uh, do that? Do that beers for we crack the main event? I'll set it up, it. and you want to grab one? Yeah, I'll grab one. I'll keep. I'll keep. I'll keep the party Let's rolling over here. All right. Brian's gonna go grab us some more beers. We finished the modern times, so it's probably gonna be the old. Hell or high water, which was awesome to see. Like some of y'all like tagging on social media, trying the beers that I try here and tagging me. I really appreciate that. Uh, extra shout out for the hell or high waters to uh, uh, Brandon Dowell there at the Junkie uh, Gathering. Hooked me up with some and brought brought some. We were doing those beer tastings in the sports book. That was man, that was really fun. That was a, that was a crazy week. I'm I'm still recovering from that week. I think like. Last night was like the first time I actually got past six hours of sleep since last week's gathering, which is insane. But anyways, ah, thank you, man. While well, Brian uh, divvies out the last of these hell or high watermelon beers here, we baka in these shears. Uh, I don't know about you can actually. That'd be oh, great. I'm That's so like baka. I don't want these people to think I'm an alcoholic. Jesus Christ. Or that I'm still in college. Well, I have to. I'm not spending the night here, so I have to, you know, eat and re up on waters and whatnot. I don't know if shotgunning is gonna. You know what? Fuck it. I can't shotgun though. I'm not good at that. I'm a bitch. I'm, I'm relieving. I'm, I'm, I'm revealing. I drink neat whiskey Dan and I drink Tom's IPAs, weakness. but but yeah, I'm, I, I I don't have the man car when it comes to to the, to the chugging. Well, I'm not a great chugger. Well, I'm sorry. Please cheers it. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Bink. Oh, that was good. Oh, that's some tasty. That's really sweet after that IPA. Tasty wheat beer right there. Wheat Hello. beer after the IPA. Hello. Went from a Citra Hoppy from San Diego to the San Francisco sweet, sweet wheat. Yeah, you know, I've been to San Francisco I wonder a sweet, handful of times. I've never gone to this brewery. I'm going to have to do that next time. I wonder if sweet wheat stands for something different in San Francisco. Oh, I'm sure. There's a million things for Yeah, that. rough trade. Jesus, Dan, that's not what it means. All right. <laughs> trying to get all the attention. He is. All right. 
Main fight, baby. Main card. Um, Alloway versus Haldo. Aldo. Waldo. Aldo. Yeah. I, uh, as you know, I'm not going to go through the whole breakdown again. But uh, I had Holloway. I played Holloway inside the distance at plus 389, I believe it was, for half a unit. Um, the only round prop I did was round five because I had to stay congruent with my breakdown. I didn't say round five in my breakdown, but I said that Aldo is essentially going to hit Max Holloway with counter rights and leg kicks and whatever he wants to. He could take him down if he wants to, too. But the more he does without finishing him, the more detriment it will be. Totally. So in other words, as successful as it looks and as exciting as we got, those flurries in the first round, if he doesn't finish him, Max is going to build and build as he does, which also means Aldo does not get the rounds to recover he usually is. I know I wasn't alone betting here. In fact, Brian, I dare say, was all your plays on Max Holloway tonight? Every single one. The only thing I didn't do was our degenerate play of the night, which was the draw. Thank God you didn't. Yeah, I mean there wasn't. You didn't. I did. Hey, I thought you did. I no, I did. I went. Okay, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Okay, I was gonna say. That's what started my whole betting. I was like, I wonder what the draw is on this fight. I mean, you know, that's a. The chances of that are pretty accurate with the lines. Well, that was definitely the. If you if you took that bet seriously, that means you didn't uh, look at the gif attached. Oh, and if you didn't understand the gif attached, then you should go straight to hell because that's from the Chappelle show. That was one of those things where we were just like, hey, this is kind of worth it for the one shot in the world. But, uh, yeah, it was a good night, man. Uh, I texted our buddy Joe Suzuki, who's out working in the Peace Corps in Costa Rica. I said, spoiler alert, daddy got more money for Costa Rica because I'm going out there in five weeks to see his ass. It's going to be a good time. Fuck yeah. Shout out to Joe. Y'all heard me. I said uh, oh, I, I said I was going to go. Then a couple episodes ago, I forced you. I can no longer go. But Brian is going, and he's going to be partying in my stead. But, oh, man. Oh, my God. I have to. Yeah. He listens, so I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure Mr. Suzuki appreciate oh, yeah. the uh, podcast there. It's going to be there. a good time. Or the shout out there on the podcast, but that's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad it cashed for you, cashed for me. Hopefully, it cashed for you guys too, especially round yeah, three. I shout some... out to your boy. What was it, Levi MMA? Oh yeah, I was gonna say. That. Yeah, actually, yeah. Give me. Yeah, I got some shout outs coming, which we'll get to in a second. But let's do him now. At L E E V I S seven. Oh yeah, S seven. Yeah, at Levi that's MMA or something like that. But um, that's the handle. Played round three all day or something. What was his words were, but. Yeah, he said, he said bet the house. I had already uh, played all my bets, but I had $5 left in my Bovada account. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll play some blackjack on Bovada. Turn that quick into $28. And then I bet all the rest of that per round on uh, Holloway. And I put, bet heavy on round three due to that. Yeah. Excuse me. Due to his tweet. Absolutely. So props. I owe you a beer if you ever come to Vegas. There we go. Absolutely, man. I mean, and I don't blame him because round three, I mean, you want to talk about round three fighters. There's weird. There's a lot of different variations of round three fighters. There's the popular one people talk about now, which is Yoel Romero. But the crazy thing about Yoel Romero is there's no process to his round three, except for the fact that if you watch his wrestling footage, Yoel Romero would wait until the last crucial point, the last final frames, depending on what the points was in the match, and put the gas on the pedal. So this isn't anything new for Yoel Romero. It's yeah. very risky. As great as he is and athletic as he is, which is the key for him being able to pull it off, not exactly a process there. There's a really weird but underrated round three, which I rave about. Um, it didn't come to fruition, but I go in, a, in in that fight, but I went into depth about it in the Carlos Condit versus Damian Maia, and that's a round oh, three yeah. Carlos Condit. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the guy that dropped um, Robbie Lawler, GSP. Uh, you know, uh, we came to life in those old school fights. Hiro Mitsumira, one of my top five welterweight wars of all time. I got to, oh, it's like it's top five I got to do. God damn. But, uh, oh, you just spoiled one of them. Forget you heard Ruiner. that, folks. Forget Ruiner. you heard that, folks. 
But but I mean, there's certain different types of round three fighters, and, and Holloway's been a long one. I mean, you know, Andre Feely, Clay Collard, all these different round three finishes he's built to, especially the early part. People don't realize, like, Holloway came through adversity and got a lot of round three finishes in this early part of his 10-fight win streaks. Oh, yeah. People only remember, you know, the back half, and even that is a selected few, you know, the layered defense. Now, I will admit I was a bit nervous. Holloway... Not only through less, which didn't surprise me, because Holloway uh, Aldo is that good to whether he was actually landing, if he was whether he's landing his jabs, leg kicks, or his counter rights, or just through his footwork pressure and shot selection, like you saw, he doesn't have to be high volume, right? Oh, yeah, he can discourage guys. That's not a that's not that 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 doesn't surprise me. Um, Holloway losing round one didn't surprise me. I actually called for Holloway to lose the first two rounds, which yeah, he actually, you could that. argue, people were split, but you could argue that he came back in round one, round two, which I, I don't have the scorecards. I'm sure there's an out floating somewhere, but I'd like to see how the judges scored that second round. Yeah. Not that well, it matters, but... You know, we talked about it, like, what, Wednesday or something. You came by, we were talking yeah. about... Uh, we talked about round three and round five being the, the rounds to bet on. You yes, know? yes. And I had forgotten about it. And then your boy, Levi... Posted on, I was like, yeah, right, three, yeah, third the round is because is of the swing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he was turning it on towards the end of the yeah. second. That's when I was like, okay, let's go. I just but figured Aldo would time. have more, but Aldo was kind of. And I didn't want to be biased. I you you heard me even you know vocally yelling in our group like I was like I'm not trying to be biased here. I don't think he's tired yet, but I'm seeing something. And I was really being conservative, oh, but I probably totally. could have been saying he was tired earlier. Absolutely. But by the third round, you saw oh, Aldo yeah. was tired and his mind. He he was thinking too much. That same pressure that Aldo puts on guys by even when he's not throwing like I was talking about by just landing a few hard counters, scaring guys, playing the politics that he knows he's there is usually enough. But even though, like I was saying, it was kind of questionable, ooh, Holloway's not throwing, he's not going from southpaw, you know, he's not moving as well laterally, which was yeah. really worrying me. At the same time, you're like, oh, wow, in retrospect, he was the one pressuring Aldo without doing much. Absolutely. He flipped the fucking script. Definitely. Well, and I said it in my break, he takes weapons from people and he adds it. Yeah. He, I picked him, the last time I picked against Max Holloway was Conor McGregor. And I'm not trying to say that the pound of my chest that I picked all of Max Holloway's fights, right? Because I'll be honest... A lot of that was from bias from Conor McGregor to the first three or four of Max Holloway's win streak. After that Conor McGregor fight, I was not an analyst. I was a fan. Okay, so there's bias there. And there's a little bit of level of bias now. I'd be a fool not to admit that, even though I defend myself and I bring the facts. Course, yeah. The point is, I picked against him with Conor McGregor because at that time, Max Holloway was more of a 1-1-2, occasional liver shot and spin sidekick, right? And Conor was this new animal who I knew, thanks to people like MMA Junkie by broadcasting Cage Warriors, I was actually able to be one of the people that watched watch Conor come up through that organization. Nice. And so I was like, okay, this is this is his fight. And it was a weird sample size because it doesn't apply to this fight because of Conor's style. And also because Conor was injured mid-fight. And Max, which most people don't realize, was injured um, coming into that fight. No, and if you don't right. realize, yeah. but the fight right. before that, Max lost a split decision that everybody thought he won against Dennis Bermudez Bermudez, where he won yeah. the first two rounds. And if you watch it, Max Holloway, that's the first fight where Max Holloway shows his takedown defense. And he was defending takedowns from Dennis Bermudez. I think Dennis Bermudez, by the way, um, top three all-time uh, takedowns uh, history of the featherweight division. Wow. Division one wrestler. And he was taking his back, so, taking his back in a couple of times, Dennis Bermudez, which is really rare in his fights. Um, off of failed takedowns, and then you see Conor McGregor just school him on the ground, yeah, and him tentative. Really you know is. what I'm saying? Yeah. And granted, it could be well. Max is a slow star starter, 
and Connor was going to be a tough matchup regardless of injury, which I agree. Connor was going to be a tough matchup regardless of injury. You have frame, southpaw, all these things, Definitely. especially a max of then, which is a completely different fighter max of oh, now. Oh, God, yeah. So that's why I was telling what people is that, that 11 fights later. Yeah, <laughs> and I also believe that's a really tricky sample size, but what's important is you see Max with that basic kind of arsenal that I was talking about. Yeah. And he got, and Connor was doing his own version of those oblique kicks, which I know we're not the biggest fan of, and even though it's nothing toward head trauma, I get that argument. Yeah. But if we're talking about a fucking pure sportsmanship, uh, effort and technique to damage, it's a really weird lopsided scale there. At least with head trauma, you have to fucking earn it through traditional technique, neither here nor there. Not the argument to have right now, but the point is those kicks trouble Max. After that fight, he has Connor's kicks, and he starts using the push twos, and he's he, he's 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 adapting from fight to fight, mm. and it gets to the point where, like I pointed out in the Lamas fight, now now he's adapting, but now he's adapting within fucking rounds. Yeah, he got great. hit with a leg kick that Brian Stan was saying, which that was a cool stat. And if I went off those stats, I would have picked Aldo to win this fight, and then I would have also been more disappointed because Aldo surprisingly didn't throw any didn't fucking throw leg kicks. Any leg kicks? I don't understand. That, I don't by think the way. he threw a single leg. Kick. I don't have a theory on that. Maybe he just thought he was gonna whoop his ass. I don't know. I saw a tweet from uh, at Connor Rebush. Uh, shout out to Connor Rebush said. Haldo tricked himself into not throwing leg kicks. I want to know what he meant by that. So hopefully, uh, Connor uh, elaborates on that or something on the next heavy hands or whatever. But because uh, uh, definitely respect that dude's opinion. But yeah, I don't. I don't have opinion my, for myself even to offer for that. So, but um, but yeah, like I was saying, he he builds, you know, within the rounds, and we saw that in the third round, except. Usually it takes some time to build, and I thought it was going to take him more time, especially against a great like Jose Aldo, and the motherfucker does it all within one round, the third round, the round third we were round. talking about. Oh, bring yeah. it back to that. Oh, one, two, one, two. That's over it. The top. That's what I, dropped him. One, two, Aldo's one, head. two. Yep, throwing it over the top. Pretty drunk. Maybe Reddit. And again, and again, I was getting, I didn't bring this point up to you, I kind of uh, beat people's ears, so I don't want to go too much into it, Brian, but a lot of people, Brian, were pointing to the fact that Max Holloway has a 69-inch reach, and Jose Aldo has a 70-inch reach. Brian, does that fucking matter? I mean, after the fact, obviously, it's easy to say in hindsight. Before, forget we, we saw this fight. Max Holloway's so good at moving yeah. in and out. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, matter. There's no, there's no, there's no way. Like, whether you were picking Aldo or picking against him, that reach difference shouldn't matter. It didn't matter. It's not about me being on Holloway's side or trying to rub it in, by the way, when I say that. It's it's regardless of what size you were on, that shouldn't matter. And I all and... And again, um, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I'm a bad reader. I didn't, I didn't go through and read Fightnomics. Uh, shout out to you know Reed Coon at Fightnomics three. But I know this more because of a uh, shout out to at Flying Brian J. He always quotes this uh, stat from uh, or fact stat from uh, Reed Coon is that the reach difference because he went out and did the legwork as far as matches and relevance is that it doesn't show statistically to factor into a fight. Unless it's six inches or more, the differential. Wow, that's so people crucial. arguing that Aldo was a longer fighter than Holloway not only looked, you know, stupid in my opinion. No offense, but like you, it doesn't matter in those stats or no, whatever. He's so good at moving in. And again, now people, now it's not coming at anybody that picked Aldo. There's a lot of oh, people come that on, I respect. How do you not? Pick and you all know who you are. I respect you. You had great arguments for Aldo. I'm not coming at you, but the the, the reach thing was one thing where I kind of had to put my foot down. And and I don't really think I need to. I think that's a pretty. I mean, with the way he moves, I think I think I think that should be something that 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 you know people should recognize. But I'll reiterate the best best I can. And I don't think I need you now because the fact that Max Holloway made it work against Jose fucking Aldo, uh, I think speaks volumes in its Absolutely. own. 
And uh, again, Haldo, Aldo looked great. He had times. All, all reports from his camp were good. He looked physical. I don't think there was these intangibles of McGregor, like the McGregor where, you know, post USADA looked funny, McGregor in his head. I'm not saying any of those were true. I'm not trying to take away from McGregor's win or Aldo as a human being or a fighter, but let's be honest. None of those were at play here. Uh, we don't know. Of course, I don't know. But none of that, you know, seemed to be at play. And that was the thing about my uh, Holloway prediction was that none of it had to do with steroids, chin, fading, not looking good, any intangibles. It was all techniques. It was all techniques that played out, and it was all techniques that played out against the most technical fighter. So I'm sorry. I don't mean to butt my fucking chest, but I'll butt my fucking chest at that. that and night. for minus 13 seconds, the only featherweight champion in UFC history. Oh, way more impressive than fucking Connor's uh, victory over, in my opinion. Well, let's be real. Conor McGregor hasn't defended a belt. So no. once that dude defends a belt, he can hold his stake. But, you know, and, and forget me being biased. You know, you know me. I've, I've said in this podcast, like, you know me, Brian. I am kind of have a weird bias where I don't get impressed by the explosive, flashy guy. I'm, I'm impressed by the guy that overcomes adversity, that oh, builds 100%. his way to a win. The Darren Elkins. Well, that, that that's fucking amazing. I, I didn't even pick him, and I'm fucking I was talking so much shit about his chest tattoo. Darren and then he came Elkins. out of there, and he was just like, Whoa! <laughs> I was like, I fucking love this guy. Yes. That's yes. that was a moment where yeah, Jesus. You're like, you know, trying to Dude, do he's everything. He's true Indiana boy too. His oh favorite beer is Miller Lite. Like Oh, that's hilarious. Like like we we asked him he was in the show at MA Junkie Radio, we interviewed him like the Monday after and he was like, like Darren, it was the best win, it was an epic one most win of your career, you're in Vegas, your higher life, biggest payday of your life, plus the bonus. What is the Darren Elkins drink of choice? I don't know. I know you're only limited to certain drinks, certain things, right after the venue. But what? How does Darren Elkins celebrate? You might not have. You might have only just got home, so you might not have had to have that real, real drink yet. What's that drink for Darren Elkins? Liquor, beer. What is it? Big setup goes. Gave him. We're like, we're rubbing our palms. You know, Darren Elkins is feeling loose. He's happy. And he goes, Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> I think he says it like that too. <laughs> How do you not love that guy? Dude? Oh man! I'll tell you what. There is a couple of there's a, only a handful of people I would not be one trapped in an alley with, and Darren Elkins is one of them. Oh, I love it, and I'm not but, hating on my, my my Indiana brothers and my middle my, my my middle light lovers. You know who you are. But Darren Elkins is a special uh, claymation and Matt Damon from it, uh, fucking Team America. That guy. I love it. How did we get on Darren Elkins? But yeah, anyways. But <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't even know how we got on that. What the fuck were we talking about? The Holloway? We didn't even bock on these shears. Dude. No, we didn't even bock on the shears. But uh, no, no, seriously though. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to bump my chest on that, but like it, it was, especially after a rough couple weeks, or not a rough couple weeks, eh, a rough couple weeks, you know. Yeah, personally, but as far as pick goes, it's been good, and you know, it was rough for picks last week, and it was uh, it was nice for myself. Oh, hey, Dan, you know what the fuck you're talking about when it comes to this analysis shit, huh? And I'm sorry hey, to bump my right. chest, but yeah, right. hey, 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 hey. <laughs> did pretty good tonight. I did pretty good tonight. Uh, again, right. it's not even we all picks. did pretty good tonight, but Dan Tom definitely did. It was, it was the analysis. Even the right, the wrong ones like fucking Marais or the avoid on uh, Kelleher, that's fine. I'll take those losses. It's completely fine. It was a good night. Hopefully, y'all did okay. Uh, you got to enjoy the good ones while you can. I'm usually too self-deprecating and apologizing, but fuck that. A lot of people, aside That's from right. you, Brian, been it's telling me to not do time. that. So fuck it. Uh, fuck the so internet trolls. I'm sorry. And, and yes, and again, there's, there's, there's you know who you are, you internet trolls. fuck face trolls. Actually, I had some trolls like repent to me doing the we're not worthy, we're not worthy. Just I got a couple of those because people. Oh, were talking, good. Because some people were talking shit before the Holloway Aldo thing, like because they didn't remember that they were reading my tweets and they were like, and again, like. I admit that there's bias, but if you read my breakdown, I brought facts. Facts that prove themselves. Well, this is, this is the win. bottom line. Is there's a 
this is a disclaimer for all you retards out there, and I hate to use the the hard <laughs> R word, but if you are a grown man and you are blaming another person for a decision you made financially, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, but but also thank you because it's dumbasses like you that made, made me made me revamp my little pick section yeah, to clarify wrong, things. Man. But anyways, yeah, but but you know, but you know, it, it, it's all good, brother. Really, it's all in love. You win, you lose. We lose big. We'll probably lose and big more. We move on. It's in. fine. Cheers in exactly because w- w- before before we drink, because again, I admit that there's bias, but I, 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 I yeah, admit there's bias, but again, I also admit. I'm glad there's a Hawaiian chain, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to fucking lie. Cheers yeah. to that, brother. Like he said, he's like, come on, UFC Hawaii, let's make it happen. It's like, you're the fucking champ, dude. It's happening now. And I'm going to cheers to that. Cheers we to should that. go. Let's fucking go. And another shout out, by the way, to um, at a Tombstone Stint. He did a piece on Sure Dog. I retweeted it. I didn't tell you about this, Brian. Oh, yeah, no, I, I saw, saw that my, retweet. My yeah, I didn't have time yeah. to read the article. But it was really good because he put the other whole, you know, Mike Goldberg kind of ruined the Hawaiian spirit of <laughs> Hawaiian. I'm like, you motherfucker. I kind of miss him, dude. Me too. I, I miss him, too. But, yeah, but, he, he, but, but, but if you were ever wondering where that stereotype comes from, uh, this guy does a really good article breaking down kind of the history of how we were colonized and how we were actually... You know, we there's a lot of cultures that get you know uh, credit in our history books, especially here in America, that are shoved down our throat yeah. about genocides. But Seems we don't really realize the internment camps that we had for Japanese, the genocides that we did to the Hawaiians, to where their population didn't recover to the 19 fucking 70s, Jesus. and the prison rate. We still make up for a lot of the prisoners and stuff. So a lot of these parallels you see from other cultures, from African American, Jewish, etc. You know, so Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, we don't really get a lot of shine, positive, negative, or much less even historically for the facts, but it was a really good article that wow. brought a lot of those facts and the reason why um, there is a little bit of attitude and a little bit of adversity to the people and culture of Hawaii. It was a really fucking well done article. Props to Sherdog, props to at Tombstone Stint for uh, for doing that. Um, you know, as, as, as again, as a Hawaiian a born martial artist who loves history, obviously. I'm kind of the demographic that it should hit with. So in one sense, that shouldn't mean a lot. But by also that same sense, it does mean a lot. And I really hope you read it because forget the breakdowns of me pounding my chest or forget the awesome features from all the awesome writers out there. This was the real deal. By the way, there was some awesome writers out there. And I will, I will say it. Kind of bummed me out, man. I think Chuck Mendenhall. I love Chuck Mendenhall MMA fighting, but I think that guy hates Hawaiians. Not only did he, <laughs> no, not only did he do the writing for Nick Lentz, that really bad writing, a poetic to, to shit on BJ Penn. Like you were one of the most. Oh, ta- he was yeah. the one who wrote it. So you're one of the most oh, talented writers, like acclaimed by all of us. But you're gonna again, kind of, you know, the issue which I had with other writers writing kind of bullshit articles on BJ Penn for their yard. You guys fighting again? I picked against him. He's gonna lose. But are we really like the most talented writers in our sport? Are we really gonna stoop to lows to fucking do? Uh, writing on on people ignorant and like using stuff like kickable Hawaiian. Luckily, Aldo's facing a kickable Hawaiian and kind of saying stuff like that. I don't care if he gets back to him because I have I have fucking championed Chuck Mendenhall retweeted and many of his articles. Fucking always supported that guy, but it kind of disappointed me. I'm not gonna lie because it just seemed like a very one sided article. Now you mix that with a Nick Lenz thing and this and that, and I get it. I think a lot of writers were responding to a Joe Rogan comment early. It's where this is where it came from. It was a Joe Rogan comment in the, earlier the week of Aldo McGregor's loss taints Aldo forever and people got mad and rightfully so but unfortunately dumb fucking idiots and and and, and uh, which is not you know um a surprise but unfortunately intelligent people too got caught in that red team versus blue team bullshit like I picked against Aldo but I was trying to explain to people people were like thought that just because I picked against Aldo means like, oh, you, you people aren't giving respect to Aldo. I'm like, hey, I agree people aren't giving respect to Aldo, but just because I'm, I'm a fucking analyst that picked against him doesn't mean I'm one of those people. In fact, 
I'm one of those people that actually championed Aldo to the top of the pound for pound rankings. And you can actually go back in my timeline and see a tweet of that. And you'll also see a bunch of people rebuttal arguing with me on that point, yeah. further proving that I understand. Well, that's the whole 13 right. seconds. Yes. Right, 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 right. But that further proves that I understand and I can separate that. That just because yeah. I pick against a guy, that doesn't mean I don't respect a guy. Of course. Because if anybody, I'm, I'm fucking championing that narrative. So I get that fight, that writers were trying to counter that narrative, but. To kind of, you know, shit on somebody really lazily, yeah. uncreatively, and reading it, you know, maybe I gotta read it again, I only read it twice, which is more than most people read or anything. Chuck Minahal's in the Michael but, Bay field um, right now, dude. Yeah, he's getting there with the whole, with his treatment uh, to the Hawaiians, but uh, again, I'm not trying to be biased, let that judge your end all or be all, but again, it was just like, it just really took me by surprise, so I don't know, I'm, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it as a pass. But I'm tired of you know pulling punches and stuff. I have opinions, and if they're just, I'm gonna say it. And I felt that's a just opinion. I felt it was fair. Yeah. I felt that that one thing, that one I, fair criticism that I'm sharing right now about Minda Hall, uh, doesn't outdo the fucking hundreds of compliments I've given this guy yeah. personally and in public. But what a turd Nick Lentz is for not even being able to creatively talk shit to. Me yes, like that is a turd to him. Because I remember when yeah. that came out, and I was like, this is the most overwritten. Yeah. Yeah, fucking dramatic thing. I've and people read. were like championing it, but it's because there's not a lot of shit talk, and shit talk goes so far. That but, was grade A, which I get shit. Yeah, but as far as shit talk goes, maybe because I'm a martial artist and a traditional, that shit doesn't ring 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 strong with me. But if you're gonna make fun of stuff, at least make it good. Like people are like, oh, Dan's biased, and Brian, you know me. I have some of the most fucked up humor that anybody listening on the other end of this microphone has ever heard. And most of my fucked up jokes, I make the best Asian jokes. I make the most fucked up Asian jokes. No, listen, the, you like, guys don't realize that he's fucked up. It's fucked up. Like, I have a sense of humor. It's not me getting here. sensitive. It's not me being politically correct and trying to be white knight. Like, believe me, I'm fucked up. We have dark senses. And I respect people being fucked up. But at least be fucking intelligent <laughs> and relevant with it. You know what I'm saying? And give it where, where, where it's due. So I don't know. I don't know about that. But anyways, that's just my opinion. It doesn't matter. Uh, we have a champion. And uh, it's cool. But, uh, you know, I, now that I say this, it's going to be like, ooh, I'm going to be weird picking Holloway in the next fight. Because now if I pick him, it's just going to look really bad. Which is but why I didn't pick him here. How do you not pick him 11 sure. fights in a row just dismantled Jose Aldo? That's true. And again, it wasn't like I blindly picked him. It's not like it, it, literally the way I picked him was how it played out. It happened in, in three instead of five. But it, it, it's almost what I said pretty much. Absolutely. So fuck it. I'll stand by it. Anyway, sorry for that rant. Cheers. Cheers to the let's victory. Let's end on a positive note. Um, let's Cheers end on a to finally video. having a UFC Hawaii because it's fucking bound to happen. The UFC is always fucking hard dicked for any fucking new country or city or state Fuck. or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Fuck. That's what they're going to get. They're going to be like, oh man. We had Stipe in Cleveland. Yes, absolutely. They're going to ride that shit to the fucking bank. They're well, going to ride Hawaii to the fucking bank. I hope, man. We're a fight, we're, we're a fight place. There's an indoor venue that's smaller, and then there's Aloha Stadium, which is the risk of it's an outdoor. It's the American Brazil. But goddamn, exactly, man. I mean, I know the, the staffers um, would love it. Uh, I've heard that. But uh, but yeah, man. Anyways, so let's let's end on the positive with some shout-outs to other people. I, I pump my chest more than I like am comfortable to. <laughs> then too, so I just want to give some shout outs. We're gonna give a shout out to our man uh, at Levi S Seven. Yes, that's um, the dude for the third round. Oh, I gotta give a uh, shout out to my man Danny Otto, uh, the serious producer, uh, a producer at Sirius XM. Works for the uh, MMA Junkie Radio Show amongst oh, other shows, cool. and he came down for the the whole uh, gathering last week. Nice. And Danny's great. Uh, got guy I hit it off with, and maybe might be even doing a podcast project with more to come on that. But um, he was uh. He has certain sayings he has, like audio drops, and he just goes, wow. wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were talking about this. Yep, yeah, yeah. and uh, so uh, after, like, the Marlon Mariah's decision and some other things, like even the uh, Brian Kelleher tapping Uriel Alcantara, I was like, 
I tweeted him like, this is the perfect moment for a, a Danny Otto um, gif of him going, wow, wow. And he did. So shout out to at Danny Otto. Not only is he a producer of Sirius XM, but soft spot in our hearts, Brian, his former frontman's a band. He is a frontman for Automatic 253. Uh, two, two, band, I think you would dig, dig too, especially nice. with the, the pop punk sensibilities, but still go. with the screaming and hard edge, upbeat energy. Um, follow him at Danny Otto, and I'm sure there's links and stuff to his shows. He plays all throughout the East Coast. Go follow and support his band. Uh, since we're doing shout outs, why don't we just go to the um, submissions in transition? Um, I want to give a shout out to actually, you know, while I pull these up, Brian. Before I before I pull these up and while I pull these up, I want to get your thoughts on something, okay? Uh-oh. Uh oh. So we, we talked about before in the show, like we need to give like random awards, like you know, like this or that. Like, what if we did like the UFC mugshot awards? Like, who has the best mugshot? Like, just ju- judging by the the mugshots on UFC.com, we just do like, well, maybe this might be bad because like we can't do like most likely to. Uh, Rob somebody because that could get really racial and bad, but we could do like <laughs> that could go bad actually. Yeah, you know, let's abandon this. Let's abandon the UFC mugshot. Most likely to be, be a pedophile. Maybe yeah, these would actually go bad. Let's let's, let's abandon that Max idea. Max Holloway's mustache is definitely leading the pack as far as that question goes. Actually, let's do that. Yeah, most likely to be a if you're to let's look at them. You, know, you go to UFC.com right now, like UFC 212. Most likely to be a sex offender. Let's look at the uh, shots here. Holloway or Big Nasty, aka Carlos Jr. Ooh, yeah. It's true. Holloway may be future if you wanted to go the McLovin route, but I say pound for pound. We got uh, Carlos Jr. there for sure. The way he takes the back, you know? Oh, my goodness, yeah. And we got to think of no, seriously, though. We do got to think of some like, fucked up categories on the real note because I don't, I, don't like the, I don't like the regular one, performance bonus, but if we have to, Brian, until we come up with a better one, again, like I was kind of harkening to a sec- second ago, buy me some time here. Who do you give for your fight of the night tonight and your performance bonuses? We'll oh. keep it boring, but 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 just 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 because we don't, we're watching we're, we're recording this right now, by the way, and we don't know who actually got the awards, people. So so I I'm gonna be biased as shit because okay. Daddy put his whole wallet on this one. But Holloway, man, I mean, we called this a long time ago for what performance? For for, for yeah, fuck yeah, on. fuck yeah, 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 yeah. Who's looked this good? Oh, against yeah. Jose Aldo. I mean, outside of McGregor's 13 seconds. You know, he, he he dominated after the second half of the second round. Or the second half, oh Jesus. After the second part of the second round. From then on, it was just all Holloway. He figured out, excuse me, he figured out his timing. Everything fell into place. And the way he dropped him, I mean, it was brutal. Uh, outside of that, I can't really think of anybody that kind of blew my mind. Uh, Yancey Medeiros was pretty solid. I'm, I'm always a big fan of uh, left hook. Like a la Dan Hardy, who is actually coming back soon, which I'm pretty stoked about. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But yeah, outside of that, I don't know. Maybe it's just my wallet talking. I'm just biased, a little bit drunk. Yeah, I think it's like that because I, I feel like I'm trying to apologize because Blake from Little Joe's podcast has uh, uh, trained a hitman to follow me around with a laser sight. Like anytime you apologize on your podcast, Dan Tom, it's like I'm gonna have him shoot you. Like, you know what, Dan Tom? Fucking be proud of what you do. So I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to be better. Trying to come out of my shell. Why the fuck not? I put the work into. Why not? But I gotta admit, man, maybe the Hawaiian biases are coming out to me too because no Holloway definitely. It's not even Hawaiian biases. He's just been killing well, it. Uh, Holloway deserves the money, it's and and, then you, and for, by the way, people like were commenting like him yelling for the money, like because there's a video of him like walking um, off stage. I think John Morgan got it. And by the way, apparently John Morgan got a. It's probably already out as we're speaking, but John Morgan apparently got an interesting 
caught an interesting video of Aldo yelling at him, and I want to see what it at was. Him? About at, yeah, at John I want to hear what it was. But it was I don't know if it was maybe at him, but he caught it on camera because he catches these guys as they walk by. They say a statement because they these guys these fighters are savvy now. Now they see a media guy with a camera on press row. They know this is getting leaked. You're getting not leaked, but you know it's getting put out there. So I want the next fight. Tell him Dana White. I want the bonus, Dana gotcha. White. You know what I'm saying? So said, you see Holloway. So stoppage. I don't know what. Look, I don't know what anyone said. who says that that stoppage was bad is a fucking fool. Oh, I don't know if he said that. John McCarthy, was bad. holy fucking yeah. shit! For it being John McCarthy, man, he took some years off of Aldo's life. Oh no, he gave him. Credit. I, he was flatlined yeah. at least three times, in my opinion. I don't know if that's what he complained about, but I'm interested to see what. But I guess the point was, um, Holloway. If you go back and even watch at the beginning of his like ten fight win streak. Like, he's always going, like, sign my check. Like, as soon as he finishes a guy, you see his eyes, he runs, like, doing that, you know, running running around the cage, like, getting all low, like, ooh, I won, yeah, celebrating, you know, with his hands all low, getting low on his level, like, yeah. But he'll look, what he's doing is he's looking for the matchmaker, either Sean Shelby or Joe Silva. Well, now it's just Sean Shelby, but back at this time, especially, you know, earlier on was Joe Silva, and was looking, and you see him pantomiming uh, a writing on his hand, opening was his hand, palm Holloway? open, Holloway, yeah. He would always lose his fights. After every time he wanted to finish, like, where's my check? Where's my check? Where's that? And then he would say it again in the post-fight uh, interview. So this is something that's not new for Holloway. Like, for a, a nice dude, awesome dude, a Jesus-loving dude, like, he fucking wants his money. Like, he that is the first and foremost, he wants his fucking money. Like, this is something that's consistent with Max Holloway when he was just a prelim fight pass opener, okay? True. He's asking for his fucking money. So credit to Max Holloway. He knows what's important at the end of the day. Um, he knows how to ask for it. And God, does he fucking put the work in. He's not relying on one counter oh, no or knockout shot. He's going out there, getting in a scrap, taking damage. The first round, He's taking Phonet's best consistently from low-level guys from Clay Collard to now fucking Jose Aldo and coming back. If you don't stop this guy, if you're not a wrestler, if you can't close space and stop him from gaining momentum, you are in for a long fucking night. That's and if you didn't believe it, it before... It was only getting worse for Jose. You better believe it now. Him. And he's the most technical, defensive, top pound-for-pound fighter, one of the best in the world ever. That's true. Hands down. Goddamn. All right. Well, uh, more shout-outs to... Uh, we have the shout-outs kind of queued up now that, that we said that. Um, Jiu-Jitsu, man, at hip-hop since 76. He wanted to know... What's next for Aldo, and did Nate Marquardt win? Brian, I'll let you answer first. What's you know, next for Aldo? What did Nate Marquardt win? Next for Aldo, hopefully he moves up in weight. Uh, I feel like the one forty-five weight cut took a lot out of him, especially this last fight. You saw he had to use the towel. Uh, for him to be the champ for as long as he was, and to still be tr- struggling with a weight cut, I feel is a telltale of it's just not gonna be good. Mm-hmm. The older he's getting, that's killing his body. So I wouldn't mind uh, seeing him move up in weight. I heard that uh, he said this would be his last fight uh, at 145. Maybe it wasn't that, but he said he was going to be looking for bigger fights from mm-hmm. here on out. He wants super fights. No, he didn't say money fights, which I love, but <clears throat> that. So I think Aldo needs to move up or just pick his fights from here on out, figure it out, and, and make it happen. Uh, as far as Nate Marquardt winning, I think Nate had a good, strong first round. Second round was a little meh. But there's no way that dude was going to get a decision against Vitor in Brazil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anywhere else, it could have gone his way, I feel like, just due to the fact that he was in the fight the whole time. But, yeah, no, there's no way he's going to take that decision in Brazil. I agree. It was like the opposite dynamic of the Marais versus Sunsal fight where you had two close first rounds where you probably had opposing arguments for both sides mm-hmm. that were valid. 
but then a clear third round for Vitor. Yeah, that but, was a clear third round. But the difference was, like you said, it was for the home favorite Brazilian was a clear third round, as opposed to Marais, the visitor, uh, and even despite him bringing Brazilian to a sun south. That's true, yeah. So, yeah, that's how I saw that one. And then as far as Hal Aldo, he was asking for money fights, like you said, and win or lose, he deserves it. Unfortunately, if you lose, you don't get to ask for anything, right? That's true. But here's the thing where I think that makes him happy and goes with your theory as well, Brian. I think I agree, first of all, that he should move to 155. He has talked about it, so it's not crazy for us to talk Definitely. about that. And I think he, he... Here's a matchup. Let me tell you what this thing is. It's not a... I, I'm curious to what at John John Rico... Uh, my man, John John Rico, who always posts Pope Fighters matchups on his Twitter. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see what he posted for this one, but here's, a, I think, a good one. It's a money fight. It's a 55 fight for Aldo. It makes sense. And it's justified still with him coming off a loss. Now, I don't know who Anthony Pettis has booked, but remember that was booked back in the day for 145, back when Pettis was champ. They were going to give him the, the dual champ opportunity, if you remember, before the injury happened. Yeah. Now that he tried 145 to get to Aldo, and it failed, and he moved back. I don't know if he's booked right now, win or lose. Maybe if you, Obviously, if he wins, if he's already booked, you book him versus Aldo. Yeah, I just don't think Pettis would take it. Yeah, I even think, I think Pettis needs like a, a boost in confidence fight. I think he needs he a scrap fight. I think he needs a fight where he's more than likely like going to win. booked right now already. I feel like a dumbass. I'm sure there's people listening right now just shouting Ooh, at us. Yeah, yeah, go, go, Google that when you pull that up. But that's just my opinion on that. And then while you pull that up, I'll get to the next uh, shout out. This one is uh, Diego Torres at Dito Tay. Hashtag Protect Your Neck Podcast. Great podcast name. Considering yeah, it's, yeah, it's this event, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, Considering this event has several of those, great uh, greetings from Uruguay, South America. Oh, sweet South American listener, thank you, Diego. Thanks nice. for listening, brother. That's what's up. Our buddy what Raul lives in Chile. Yeah, I was gonna say Chile, yeah. Raul, Chile. man. Fuck yeah, we got friends worldwide. Uh, add you to the list, sir. Thank you. What, would you? Would you got mine? Oh, sorry, yeah, I didn't interrupt that, but uh, no, you're good. Yeah, you're right. They even announced it tonight. He's fighting Jim Miller at UFC 213. That's what it is. That's yeah, right. That's, yeah, right. Right. that's a hard opener. I, I hope Jim, Jim Miller, Miller fucks Me too. Yeah, I, love I love Me and you are Jim Miller yeah. fans, though. Me and you are fucking Jim Miller fans, though. For, for Goddamn. Forever. Fucking bad movie. If you can fight with Lyme disease and just blame it as, like, wear and tear from training, you're a tough motherfucker. And you wear a fucking mustache and do no snarls. Yeah, that's true. That dude's And while you pound your chest and you... Because you're fucking Jersey tough. How do you not... Fuck that, brother. Holy shit. Yeah, and uh, the, the great, the greatest tweet from Joe Silva ever to Jim Miller. The oh, the most deserved tweet. Yeah, ever. he said, the "Hey, I got ass. this matchup for you. Do you want it?" He's, "Of course I want it." He's like, "Of course you do, because you're Jim fucking Miller. It's been a pleasure fucking working with you." Oh yeah, I'm glad <laughs> you mentioned best. that. I'm oh, getting goosebumps as you say that. Oh, it's beautiful. Like from a hard ass like Joe Silva, that you you earn your compliments oh, from that yeah. motherfucker. Of course you, you do, earned because you, you're Jim fucking Miller. Yeah, like you probably have to go through hell and back to earn a compliment from that Joe Silva. So right. that is goddamn deserved. But that that would be yeah that would be an awesome match if he does if he does win and wants to take it you could you could give that to Pettis but yeah I'll be rooting for Jim Miller in that matchup fuck that of course that. yeah <laughs> all right next one comes from uh, Crisp Evolution at Crisp Evolution I agree the PYM podcast pre and post and and Dan's article are a must for me before any event now thank you Crisp Evolution much much props man I'm glad it worked this time but I'll be honest it doesn't work every time. So we're pounding our chest now. I'm glad your pockets are full. And hopefully I've made your pockets full with uh, positive picks in the past. But I'll be the first to tell you, uh, this is a madman's game to bet on. So do it your own risk. 
I certainly shit ain't right all the time, but I, I happen to be right tonight. So that's great. Pardon the uh, me bumping my chest, and uh, for the people giving me credit for it, I really do appreciate it. But but temper, temper. Thank you, temper. Looking at these uh, tweets from Drew Jitsu, he uh, said, "Also, can you break down top five hottest MMA chicks, please?" Yeah, he wanted that. I told him we I don't know. Kind of went to. <laughs> we went on three of them tonight. Wow. Yeah. Four of them actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think so we already got, got like a, a top. But if we did top five, it'd get real creepy. So maybe yeah, you should have be. someone else do that. It would be, yeah, that would be. That's kind of a hard time doing. That's why I said I'm not sure. But I will say though, I'm pretty confident. Even though it's like you it, should do that with Cassie, maybe your that girlfriend. Would be good. That would yeah, be good. There yeah, you that would go. be good. The yeah. opposite perspective. Yeah, exactly. There but I'll you tell go. you what. If then we can't get in trouble. <laughs> that's true. But you know what, dude? I'd be willing to bet, Brian. Even though it's MMA, I would still bet that not only Carolina Kovalkiewicz, but Jenny Andraj makes it in the top three for fucking listener subscriptions. <laughs> Look, if you don't think Jenny Andrade is a gift from God, I don't know what is. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Good Lord. Have mercy. Uh, I love it. You see everybody's weird taste, including my own, come through on that match. Thanks, Jiu-Jitsu, regardless, man. I appreciate that. If you guys want to contribute your top five categories, use hashtag Protect Your Neck Podcast. I may actually do like a hybrid um, episode next week because we got a man here. Brian's 30th is Dirty 30. Thankfully, it's on Sunday, the day after the fights. Yeah, I thought... Well, it was booked June 11th. I'm glad yeah, it's not. That's what we thought, too. Yeah, we both thought that. It's Maybe not, we're crazy, not, folks. You tweet us. We would be drunk on a boat and not watching the fights. Yeah. But now we actually get to watch the fights. But uh, like I said, I might be taking a break. So if anything, <laughs> I might just do a breakdown later in the week with just the main event um, in depth and then just my picks. But I will do a top five, probably have a guest on. Because um, again, even you know the, my loose takes w- without the normal. If I can't have enough time to get the normal uh, amount of work in, you know, I'm sure it's it's good enough to be amongst your reference reference list. I would hope, right? Yeah, you um, deserve a fucking break. Yeah, I deserve sure. a break, and my reference is good enough where we'll I can. We'll be drinking uh, ice cold ones on the water next week. Yes, we will. Yeah, we will. Even if I have to do the old sure dog breakdown, as I say, when you hear people just. Is this bro motherfucker just bringing down this fight based on looking at a shirt dog record right now? Like, even if I do that, I could probably offer more than the average bear. So I'll make sure to get you something, and I'll try to bring on somebody that knows what the fuck they're talking about, or at least for a fun top five, and or both for next week's episode. But uh, that's it for the uh, submissions in transition, which you can you, you know always submit using hashtag Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top five ideas like jujitsu using hashtag Protect Your Neck Podcast. Questions or hot takes. The same way we are here. Um, Brian, anything you want to say before we get out of here? I don't think there's anything more to talk about tonight. No, but this was UFC 212. Yes. Just in case anybody caught yeah, Dan I, slipping I, earlier. Yeah, slipping. I said 211 to go on It was a great card. I'm happy to start the uh, birthday week off with some extra cash in the pocket. And looking forward to drinking some beers with you on the fucking river next week. Fuck yeah, man. Hopefully we don't run into like crazy snakes when we're jumping off cliffs again. That yeah, was scary. Yeah, that was huge. That yellow fucking anaconda. That thing's like 7 feet long. God damn, that was scary. It was an anaconda. It was whatever. a bull snake, but still. Yeah, but it was like by your feet. and yeah, like I, If it was me, dude, you hopped and you were scared, which I'm not hating on, but like oh, I would have like literally hopped off that ledge and into the water. I would have fucking been done. I would have just jumped right the into the rocky. The only time I've ever encountered snakes has been almost stepping on them, and that was the first time in my life. So fuck that. Be careful when you come out to Vegas. Watch the snakes. Don't underestimate them Hawaiian chins. And until next time, protect your neck. Cheers. Yeah, I'm glad we uh, kept the PG on that Jenny Andrade, dude. I was about to drop.